Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we're covering Season 4, Episode 14, entitled The Grove. Uh, we were pretty harsh on this one through the instant cast, I think, uh, I at least I, on I certain aspects. That. I deny that. Okay, well, our audience would not deny it, certainly. Um, but I, I'm with you. I think we were harsh on certain aspects of it. Mm-hmm. We were very very praising of other aspects sure um some of this some of this episode was the absolute best stuff i've seen in walking dead honestly yep uh i mean clear is another one that we talk about all the time and this is right up there with it as far as the performances from melissa mcbride and chad coleman uh I, I think those are outstanding certainly we had some of the better direct directing or not directing i'm sorry we had some of the better performances with those two. We also had um, about the best way you could tie this plot up into a neat little bow uh, from Scott Gimple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're going to have to go to my the spoiler section to hear my detailed thoughts on this because there's a lot of some of my issues with how this goes on. You might not be uh, might might be stem from uh, like I said on the instant cast my preference for the way the comic book handled it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're ever going to revisit anything like this, but I'm not going to take a risk at someone bitching at me. So I'm going to throw that, you know, my overall problem with the direction the storyline took in the spoiler section. Okay. But, you know, honestly, I think it was fine. It was well written. Um, certainly the last third of the episode is gripping as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, there's a lot of people that were praising aspects such as the performances of, of, of the little girls and the way they were reacting and re- writing. And I just can't get behind that, man. Yeah. It's I'm, like, I'm definitely with you there. The, the cast, the, the episode that Lori Grimes died, uh-huh. we were all primed for it. We had the Fiesta cast. And then when <laughs> it came and we got the burritos and sombreros and the Marat. And 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 uh, the music going, <laughs> we were kind of bummed uh-huh. because they wrote her a really good exit. Yeah, and she did a stellar and, job performing that part. And the, the human drama involved in a mother sacrificing herself to deliver her baby and her son having to put her down to keep her from being a zombie and Sarah Wayne Callies and, and – uh, uh, Chandler Riggs' performance going for broke was really good. Oh, yeah. But Lori Grimes' character was still largely bullshit. <laughs> for sure. So we did like, not turn around on that. You. That's the thing I think a lot of people don't understand. Like, Carol and Tyrese's reaction to the deaths of these children, which is a compelling thing, mm-hmm. is what made the episode. Yeah. And it's it the episode could have been astronomically stratospherically good if the buildup of these characters was more than what it was. If if these characters were consistently written from the beginning and mm-hmm. consistently performed in the beginning and they had better direction because the two episodes they're in, unfortunately, two rookie directors. The guy mm-hmm. okay. that directed this episode is is a camera guy. He's a camera operator. He's hmm. been a camera operator all his life. He got promoted just this season to second unit director of photography. Mm-hmm. So now he's he's dipping his toes in cinematography, and they're like, hey, uh, we got this really emotionally heavy, complex episode. Uh, let's let the rookie handle it. What the fuck? 
<laughs> what the fuck? All right, maybe you're being a little harsh on the guy, but uh, I, I I didn't think the directing in particular was bad. I mean, it's not his fault. He didn't make that call. What What do you mean? Him like if I was put in my director? work to do like, you know, I shit, I can't even give a good example. Uh, you know, if, if they wrote, brought me in the work to write a fucking operating system in Ruby. Okay. I would do a shitty ass job. Cause you don't have any of the tools and people could say, what fucking idiot wrote this program? It doesn't even work. It doesn't even try to work. It won't even compile. <laughs> It's but in their right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's not my fault. It's whatever project manager assigned me for that. Okay. You know, so, so it's like so it should have been like Scott Gipple in there on this one. I don't know. I mean, this is a pivotal episode for sure. Right. For and the characters. fact that it worked as well as it did speaks a lot about the script and a lot about oh, the yeah. performances and the fact that I think this Michael uh Stratremis Stratazimus <laughs> um <laughs> You know, uh, camera operator in Super Mario Brothers movie, by the way. Oh, fantastic movie! I love that movie. Exactly. Um, I, I, you know, it's like I, I think that for a rookie outing, he did a lot of things right. But there's, I'm going to point out yeah. some awkward edits that I think are a direct result of not having the mm. kind of footage they need to make good edits. Okay. I, I think so. The, the only part where I really had a problem with the direction was probably with the. The girls themselves. I think Mika actually on second watch was fine. No, she, she's fine. Not, don't have a problem with her. She is it was, fine. She's it, not great. She's not terrible. She's fine. It was the lack of any sort of shades of gray at all in Lizzie's performance. It was. It was. I'm either screaming at the top of my lungs about how you've just murdered my friend, the Walker, or I'm doing nothing. But there again, a good director. Uh, I, I, I understand that. Yeah, a that's good the complaint I have. With would the sit direction. there and say, "Whoa, this material." Sure, but we at need that point, can you it. even can you even do that? And like, well, how long do they have then, in the shooting schedule? Stuff like look, that. Look, they shut down for eight for for four fucking months in between the first eight episodes and the last eight episodes. Sure. They had plenty no. of time to rework the script. If they didn't, day of a talented director. The problem wasn't the script, though. It's not that, like yes, it, was it was in this early yes, stage. Yes, it was. You can't oh, write that so. script for that for the for that talent. <laughs> you can't. And then if you did, on I think that did on the they day know of, that though? Again, they, they haven't shut, had they, anything like this for those girls to do yet. Well, if you're going to play devil's advocate, I, I, I mean, I'm I'm just stating my opinion. Um, the second thing is, I think that on the day of when you see that this isn't working, you pull it back a little. Yeah. Don't go like screamo. Mm-hmm. Play more haunted. Play quieter. Look at the. I mean, I think the perfect example, which, uh, by the way, the Charbino, uh, Miss Charbino is also in True Detective. They mm-hmm. had a really difficult scene with a a girl that was 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 troubled with some very difficult material, and I'm trying desperately not to spoil. And this little girl, when it was time for her to perform, they played her just quiet, scared little girl. Mm-hmm. And then when they needed the heavy reaction of her crying, they pivoted behind her and showed her parents' reaction. Yeah. And their parents sold the shit out of the scene, which made us – which elevated her performance. There's a lot of tricks you can do to work your way around these problems. <laughs> they just <laughs> okay. fucking threw her out there with no safety net, and yeah, that yeah. sucks. Uh, the the other big – I want to get all of this this negativity and problems out of the way right away so we can get into the script and talk about what we liked. Uh, the the other the only real other problem I had with this episode is, and, and people will try to defend this, but I don't think there is a character in Lizzie. 
I think she is just a psychotic, and that is not interesting in any way. Right, which is a lot of the other, when we get to feedback, a lot of people are like, don't you guys understand she's mentally ill? No, yeah. No, we don't get why, though. I, like, did the world break her? Did something happen to her in her past? We weren't shown any of that. Yeah. And, and, if, and you want, if you want me to, to understand why she's crazy and maybe empathize with her a little bit, you got to give me some. And a, a, saying a character's crazy cannot wave away every <laughs> problem that that character has. It's sure. just because that, you know, uh, it just, I mean, I feel like that statement should be enough. It's, it's full, full of, you know, it's, it's fully evident, full stop. Yeah. You cannot say, well, I didn't understand this thing about the performance. Well, the character's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, her motivation in this scene seems to be a lot different than the other scene. Well, you know, her character is crazy. Okay. Well, her reaction here seemed a bit – well, it's – her character's crazy. You can say that about anything. Sure, yeah. She could have fucking whipped out a communicator and beamed up to the Starship Enterprise <laughs> or gone – you know, and it's like, you know, the character's crazy. Uh-huh. So it's like oh, – That was just in her head. She's crazy. Yeah. So I don't I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that blanket response, and it's just – it's waving away any problems that might be there. With- but, but it sucks because I feel like we're already spending way too much time on sure. the negativity because the – the stuff in the episode was good was really, really good. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's just a shame. And I get it. There's a lot of people that didn't have a problem with the performance. Great. Great. I'm glad. <laughs> I did. And I can't I can't not say it, man. Yeah, I didn't get to where sure. we didn't get to where we are by just being like, Well, you know, I don't get it, but we'll just sweep that under the rug. No way. No way. That's not what we're here to do. So, uh, you know what we are here to do is do a recap of this freaking episode. First <laughs> A lot of people have been really jealous about Daryl's uh, vest with the wings on it. Oh, yeah. I, me included. Um, very cool. Uh, we've got a guy, uh, Richard, from ScreenMonsters.com that has made some replicas of those. Mm-hmm. And he wants to give us a set to give away to you fine folks. And we're going to have a contest at uh in between uh, you know the traditional pimping spot in between uh-huh. the recap and the feedback where we'll talk more about that so okay we'll we'll get there we'll get there uh let's get right into the recap also, then, after 10 minutes of talking also are we going to talk about <laughs> walker stalker con chicago uh not right here if anything we're going to drop it in at the very end a- after feedback after feedback before, before spoilers. spoilers okay yeah. just want to get people okay their fast forward material <laughs> <laughs> sounds good all right, so we start off this episode with Lizzie playing tag with the zombie outside. Um, a great, great scene here. Very awesome. intense, very suspenseful, uh, very creepy with yes. the music that's playing in the back and, and the what, boiling pot of water. You can just see that things are building to something bad. And the bad. fact that it's um, – in fact – and the way they did it kind of slow-mo mm-hmm. gave it a very dreamlike quality. Yeah. And you first think it's like, okay, this is kind of an idyllic setting. And kind of down homey, and then oh shit, a girl is running. Oh uh-huh. shit, she's running from a zombie. <laughs> then oh shit, she's playing fucking tag with that zombie. Yeah, that is a fucking phenomenal scene. The construction of that scene is really, really well done. Yes, yeah, and, again, uh, and the atmosphere of it is just amazing. Kudos to Michael Satremismus. Uh, <laughs> Sat. Tremzimus, Satrazimus. I can't see his name, or I'd tell you how to say it. Uh, I don't know that you could, Michael <laughs> okay. Satrazimus, um, because that was a really, really sweet shot. Yep. And then we go to the intro, and then when we come back, uh, Carol and Lizzie are talking about parents and children, I guess, and keeping each other safe while she kind of 
keeps guard over the rest of the group. Tyrese, who's sleeping in the train tracks. Sleeping on the train tracks. Oof. On? Why? A st- you get, you got a, a, one of the hardest substances <laughs> known to man, which is a train track. I mean, people use Oh, I thought you were going to say Chad Coleman. Chad Coleman's skull. <laughs> Clearly, okay. it's the hardest. Um, but yeah. his the, a train rail, people use those for, like, makeshift blacksmith anvils. Yeah. They're tough as fucking nails. Why you would pick there there to sleep on, but it made a cool it it made a it made a cool shot again um, because that's something you just wouldn't do in this world. You get mm-hmm. you fucking get ran over by a train. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that in the shithole terminus world. Not at all. Did you think? I noticed a uh, urgency in Lizzie to get to terminus. She seemed to be overly concerned about it. Overly concerned mm-hmm. about whether to be kids there. Sure. Do you think she had some kind of Mad Pied Piper plot from the beginning? Pied Piper plot to what? Lead the kids away from, or turn the kids to her side, or like, well, or to the undead in this case? Like she kind of lead all the kids away to get eaten by zombies. She'd want to do it with like Lin, Lizzie, or uh, Mika, and and um, uh, Ass Kicker, Judith, kicker, yeah, Judith. Uh-huh. But she's, like, a little bit too emotionally attached to them, so she kind of – I feel like these are the experiments that are leading up to this terrible thing that she's had planned for maybe a while. Hmm. Okay. Although the way this episode shot, it seems like this is something that just comes to her, but I don't uh, – yeah. there's several scenes where she's weirdly insistent about, well, we're not staying here, right? We're still going to Terminus and hmm. wondering if there's little kids there. Um, I don't know. Maybe she's hope, hoping that there will be little kids there and she can be less of a freak. Yeah, maybe. That's also I, possible. I mean, now it's just her and her sister, right? And she left a whole group of kids over at the prison. So maybe she's just eager to get back in with some some friends or something. I don't know. Maybe she'd be a little more normal if she was. Uh, <laughs> nice contrast. Uh, first of all, they mentioned Sophie, which has been, it's uh-huh. been a long time since, since we've heard her. And a lot of parallels that Carol puts up in the episode does between Sophia and uh, Mika in this mm-hmm. episode. Oh, yeah, with her, you know, not having a mean bone in her body or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, and that was what got Sophia killed in the first place. So uh, not looking good for Mika at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> yep. Um, and and then you can really see, like, the bond that is has developed between Lizzie and Carrie, or Carol this episode uh, throughout the season. Because she gives her a hug before she goes to sleep, and they're talking very, you know, honestly. And, Would you... Would you miss me when you kill me, ma'am? Yeah. <laughs> so that's also, you know, foreshadowing for what she has to do later. Uh, then Tyrese, what do you think see... about? What do you think about the, her calling uh, Carol, ma'am? I think it's the next best thing to mom. I think really? she wanted to call her mom, but Carol had already put the squash on that late uh, it, last few episodes. It felt uh, to me. It's interesting you had that because I had the opposite reaction. I thought it was kind of cold. Huh. And I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be or not. Like, ma'am, well, maybe after she her. squashed her on mom, she was like, "Oh, okay, I'll call you ma'am." That's true, but I, I mean, in a cold way, like she, no, she I backed off no, completely no, from it. mom. And... It just made it made Carol seem more like a governess throughout this episode, and I thought that was a curious decision. But that, yeah, that's what she wanted to be back in the prison, right? I mean, she told her not to call me mom. I'm not your mom. I'm just trying to help you survive here. But was that? But it doesn't seem like that's a relationship well, that they have now. Was that to protect Carol or protect the girls? I never really was sure mm. about that. Uh, 
Probably to protect Carol, I think. Really? She may not want to get involved. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, she certainly has some guilt, I think, over what happened with Sophia. Well, I still. wonder if she did that because she knew she was responsible for the deaths and she knew that might blow up in her face and she was not wanting these girls to you know, imprint on them as their mother, knowing that hmm. she had taken this big risk for the community. Uh-huh. Um, hmm. But anyway, it just... Yeah, I mean, they they hugged and all that, but I, I just thought that every time I heard her say ma'am, I was just like, ah. Oh. <laughs> all right, uh, let's talk about Tyrese real quick because he's having a nightmare, obviously, and he wakes up and he's staring right at Carol as soon as he opens his eyes. It's the waking nightmare that everyone has. Oh, my God, I'm on Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Am I on the wire? No, shit, I'm shit. not. <laughs> <laughs> uh so this is obviously foreshadowing the dreams that he later tells Carol about. This is one of the dreams that he's having about Karen, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get there. So then we see Carol using tree sap to treat Tyrese's wounds. And... Not sure about the medical efficacy of that, but okay. <laughs> we'll let the Dr. Carol medicine woman do her thing. <laughs> uh, so they talk about Lizzie's confusion about the walkers as well, uh, which... I don't know. All, all of this stuff at the beginning is set up for what the, all the stuff that plays out later. But I want to point out here one of the problems I had, and nothing to do with 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 uh, Miss Charbino's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, Mika innocently says, "Yeah, you're not even grossed out by dead rabbits." And Lizzie looks sharply at her, like, "Oh yeah, the fuck I was you say? Like, like she's nervous." Yeah. And, and I can't believe you would tell them that. Yeah, like. And keep that in mind later on when she expresses total confusion about why Carol might be mad at her at the end. Yeah. Like if you're if you're a mentally ill person and you're you're a, psych, a psychopath, mm-hmm. you don't have a good handle on empathy. Yeah. So this is one of the so problems. The concept that I could get in trouble for having killed mice and and may and not occur rats. to her. Yeah. I mean, again, this is if. if if this was over several episodes, maybe that could be used to illustrate the slide, but uh-huh. she breaks bad <laughs> in this episode. So that's sure. one that's just one thing that I was like, huh, that, that's really weird choice. Yeah. Uh, in that scene, they also smell a fire in the background, which uh, we will find out more about like later. corn mash and redneck. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, uh, privileged farm girl. How about that? <laughs> Rich farm girl. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Smells like a, a poncho that reeks of urine and sweat. Oh, my God. What's and a bag on? full of cash and jewelry. <laughs> that has a smell? Apparently, yeah. Mm. Uh, so Lizzie plays I Spy with Tyrese, and they spy a walker coming down the tracks. Not a good omen. I mean, this is death walking down the tracks toward them. That's mm-hmm. very, very bad. Walker's saying, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> but he can't. He falls he over. He loses a leg. Uh, how did that happen? How did he get stuck there on the ground? Because he's clearly walking down the tracks, right? Uh, wasn't that like a, some kind of, uh, I assume, I don't know if you've ever walked on tracks, Jim? I have not, no. I have. I grew up next to a fucking pair of train tracks in the woods. Very worldly. Uh, no, that's the opposite. <laughs> it's very country. Um, and so what'll happen sometimes is either this is going over, maybe this is kind of like a little, a bridge. Uh, we didn't really get a good look at it. Or sometimes what'll happen is the ground gets washed out because the tracks are kind of built up on a mound. Uh-huh. And if that happens, then the weight of the trains can kind of like break these ties. And sometimes a tie will be missing or be cracked and mm-hmm. you can really easily 
uh, Pull fall your leg in between off. there. And like, even if you're an able-bodied person, and that would be bad news if you're zombies, game fucking over. I didn't even see a leg though. I, I thought it really? was a no. bloody stump, but it can't be. Right? No, it was like yeah, his leg was just way. It just like shot right down between okay. the, tr- the ties. That makes way more there. sense. Yeah. Uh, I really like the music in this. This has kind of become a signature mm. for me in The Walking Dead. Is this like this blown out kind of warbly yeah. sound that kind of builds behind like violins or something? I was going to say that I think Bear McCreary has really found yeah. the voice for this in the last two episodes, the last two seasons, because he hit mm-hmm. these notes and also at the end he hit the like you know solitary piano notes of sadness. Yeah. That really added a lot to the scene where, uh, you know, Carol had to put... Uh, well, I mean, we're going to talk later about the connections between episodes. That was just the sound of Beth playing piano. <laughs> <laughs> right? Just kidding. Uh, there there was also a line here... That, that smoke was actually all the candles she lit at that, that fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> that was before the moonshine fire. Uh, there's a line that Lizzie says when Tyrese is about to you know, put a cap in this walker. She says, sometimes we have to kill them. Sometimes we don't. So how does that jive with the idea that Lizzie is insane and Lizzie likes these walkers a lot? Well, we'll put it that way. I mean, she clearly knows that they're dangerous, right? Right. Because this one is not. And that means to her that we don't have to kill it. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a good handle on what she thinks is dangerous versus not dangerous. Okay. Because she clearly thought, like, the walker coming at that she was trying to lure away from Glenn was not dangerous until it was, and she started screaming. Mm-hmm. She didn't think that the walker playing tag with her was dangerous at all, to the point that she she would stop and turn her back to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's very questionable. I, I don't understand what... What then, her judgment but, is there. But also, why does she think it's not dangerous? Because she was very close to just letting herself be bit by one. I mean, what is she... Again, what is she afraid of? She kills her sister to turn her into a walker. Is she really afraid of these things? Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Why wouldn't she want a walker to be walking around to kill potentially other people if she's okay with becoming a walker herself? But but she's not really okay with becoming a walker herself because she never does it. Yeah. She tempts it. She says, maybe I should become a walker or maybe I should just let it – Again, I, should I change. think that it would be interesting to have a child see the walkers as something constant and dependable and strong uh-huh. versus yeah. the humans that are unreliable and they let you down and they abandon you and they die and prefer to company of them. But that would be a consistent motivation that you would think would inform all their actions. Here yeah. it's like they want their cake and eat it too. They want, you know, to preserve the illusion that this woman is – that this l- young lady is normal for as long as possible to get the emotional haymaker on Carol. Yeah, yeah. But also have her be weird and crazy and creepy. Mm-hmm. And I – again, for me, I know a lot of – I work for a lot of people. But for me, that was a, a hang-up for me. Okay. So in, in the next scene, Carol tells Mika that she has to toughen up. Unfortunately, Mika doesn't want to, um, and just as Carol is about about to make a good point to her, uh, they stumble upon a house, which Mika takes as proof of her point that everything is going to work out exactly how it's supposed to. Uh, unfortunately, 
for Mika, she has to learn the hard way later on. Yeah, my mom says everything works the way it's supposed to. Oh, yeah? Well, where is your mommy? How'd things work out for her? Carol missed a golden opportunity to roll tough on little uh, toe-headed Mika here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's okay. On on their way back to uh, – or into the, the cabin. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I, 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 I can't wait till we get to the planarium worms. I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> okay. Uh, they they go into the cabin, or they're or they're headed toward the cabin, and they see smoke from Daryl and Beth's moonshine house fire, and they apparently think that subsisting entirely on pecans is a viable option. Hey, man, I fucking love pecans. Love loving pecans Pecan and living pie. pecans are two different uh, things. Candied pecans. Uh, you could you, uh, it, okay. You can't be, make a pie out of just pecans. It would be more than a week before I start bitching about an all pecan diet. Let's just put it that way. All right, until your shits turn runny and brown, runny and green. That'd be disgusting. But then again, if I was the adult in the situation, I wouldn't give a gun to a seven-year-old and tell him to shoot a fucking deer. I'd just bag it myself and say, you can get the next one, kid. Yeah. The, the, especially <laughs> the first deer, right? So I'd have pecan. I'd have venison and pecan on the side. I think okay. I can make that work for a long time. Sure. No, I think so. I think so. Uh, so Carol and Tyrese go inside the house to clear it, and they leave Mika and Lizzie outside to fend for themselves with baby Judith. <laughs> and a walker comes out and another and door. He's like, excellent. Uh, a walker comes out another door, and Mika saves both of them hilariously. And then Lizzie counts the flowers. You and I are both fun- big fans of the zombie pratfall. Like, oh, when the zombie it was fantastic. goes towards something at thigh level and just <laughs> ass over tea kettles. And, and that stuntman committed. That's, hell, that's what we said <laughs> when we watched it. It's like Jesus Christ, that stuntman. Whatever's getting paid is not enough. <laughs> Because he made no effort to protect himself. No. Very that's what I, I love to see that stuff. Oh, it's so uh, good. Because that's the reality of this hell type yeah. of creature. Yes. They yes. don't give a shit about pain. They're going to break their neck if they have to, to get like, to you. They're like the honey badger. <laughs> they eat only way more uncoordinated. Yep. Yep. Uh, you don't know that. Maybe the honey badger is very uncoordinated. Probably. I know the honey badger gets bit by a snake and venomous snake and just goes to sleep for a while and then wakes up <laughs> goes into a coma wakes up and finishes killing the snake i think yep. that that's that's a zombie for you so this is probably the first instance i think of of the acting letting me down in mm-hmm. this this scene specifically i think everything up until now was adequate or above um i didn't really appreciate what lizzie was doing in this scene honestly Okay, so she was frozen with fear until Mika started shooting, and then she started going, no, 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 like she didn't want it to be killed. Yeah. Um, so, again... We we know that she was just, yeah, worried about the walker there in that situation. Was she? It's hard to say, because when that walker comes over the fence, she backs off like it's a dangerous thing. And, and when she's on her. the ground, it's coming towards you. She seemed frozen in what I would describe as fear... But then she starts screaming, yeah. no, no. If, if she really thought it was not a danger, she, I, it seems like she would grab the baby and get up and walk away. I, To me, they yeah. played that scene, and I don't know if it was written that or if that's a direction, as Lizzie, frozen in fear, didn't know what to yeah. do. Yeah, no, I'm with you. That, to me, doesn't speak to a consistent character motivation, even a crazy one. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, Carol and Lizzie pack... Uh, or sorry, not pack, crack some pecans. Uh, Mika finds a doll, and Tyrese relaxes in the Lazy Boy. 
First time Tyrese has relaxed in a while. He really enjoys it. He's out like a light, too. Yep. Uh, this doll that Mika finds is named Griselda Gunderson. Does that have any significance whatsoever, or is that just a random made-up name? I have no idea. Okay. I tried to look it up. I didn't find anything. Well, there you go. So. If Google doesn't know, then who does? All right. Um, and then Mika suggested they should live here. Um, sure. Why not? Um, all the pecans you can eat. They seem pretty careless here. Uh, they made a big point about how to, fa- they're not going to fix the fence because that's how the deer are getting in. Mm-hmm. So we're going to leave the fence gaping open, but then Carol says, we'll just play it really careful. Flash forward to them sitting before a roaring fire with, with, sh- with them walking to and fro in front of windows that aren't barred. They're not even have the drapes closed. Like yeah. throughout this whole episode, there's a disregard for yeah, attracting walkers. Like, like I get like, okay, we can hold up here for a couple of days, weeks, or even longer. But mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, man. I Carol's a badass, and Tyrese—they want us to think he's a badass, despite all evidence to the contrary. Mm-hmm. Um, why aren't they? Why aren't they doing a little bit more here? You know, it's like why are they have a big roaring fire? Just, just. You know, you can crack nuts in darkness. <laughs> okay. Are you? I mean, are you worried about fucking zombies, or aren't you? I, I, at this point, I don't think they are. Because in the next very next scene, Carol sees Lizzie playing with one, playing tag. And well, she Lizzie, runs out and kills sure. it. And then Lizzie freaks the fuck out, screaming at the top of her lungs, which didn't like this performance either. But Carol doesn't stop her and say, shh, you're going to attract walkers. Let's go inside or something. She just lets her scream her lungs out for a minute and a half. Well, they just had fired gun. They just fired guns several times in the previous scene, which is a dinner bell call to yeah. walkers. That we've, I mean, they established that. That was a big concern in season Huge. two. Huge. Yep. Justifiably, because it brought a whole fucking horde down on them. Yep. Uh, and now they seem to have lost that care. There is no care for I mean, noise they don't of know any kind. There's a fight. There's there's oh, there are over ten thousand CGI generated walkers. <laughs> you know, a stone's throw away from them. Uh-huh. But still, they do. They have this. People that have survived this long in this world should have an institutional memory of what to do and not. And to they do. do. That's the thing. We see these survivors constantly doing things that they've just been ingrained to do, like hanging up cans on strings for So I guess some people perimeters. would say it's more interesting to see them let their guard down and try to recreate a family life than it is for them to constantly stay on battle alert all the time. I don't know that that's true. There might even be a balance you could reach where they want to settle down. They want to let go of it, but they're, the last two years have forced them into not being able to. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, we can talk about that all day, I'm sure. Uh, actually, mm. before we leave this scene, there's one we more got thing. The zomb- is the, we, we're still talking about Lizzie playing tag with the zombie. Okay. Sure. You want to say something else? Um, I, I thought that the performance here that Melissa McBride gave was really sublime. And that you can see that Carol doesn't want to believe she's dangerous. Like, she looks really hard at Lizzie. Yes, I was and then she, out. like, shakes her head like, no, no. Like, or she just doesn't know what to do about it, maybe? Maybe. Like, but I, I thought it was clear, like, there's the idea of, like, this person <laughs> needs to be – I have to do something about her. And then, like, she had this – I don't know, man. I, I, I Maybe I'm putting too much on the performance. But I, I saw this clear, like, dawning horror and then the mm-hmm. solution and then, like, shaking her head, no, I can't do that. 
I think, uh, okay. And, and this would make sense with what later Carol says about how I should have seen it coming. I did see it coming, yeah. but I didn't do anything about it. And the guilt that she feels. Uh-huh. I That's that's what I got. And granted, it was the second viewing, but I was really looking at her performance, and she was just on fucking fire this episode. Oh, yeah. So then Carol takes Mika hunting. Uh, they spot a deer, but Mika can't shoot it. And it's okay, though. I, it's I okay. Just, they have peaches. Plus, I hate to tell you, and that Mika. is all you get, Mika. That is all you get. Peach pecan, <laughs> pecan to peaches. Um, I hate to tell you, Mika, you wouldn't hit shit holding the gun like you were. So you could fire it away, but uh, um, yeah, that's she wasn't the, here again. I think Mika's a little bit much because she's going about like, I love science class. I know a difference between black smoke and white smoke. White smoke's what you get when they pick a pope. Um, but then when they burn the old Pope, what? <laughs> but then when you get to the, like, she's like, I can't even kill a planera or whatever the hell, you know what the, these are like almost microscopic creatures. Uh huh. You cut them in half in biology. And if you do it right, they, they grow back. They can grow into two halves. Yeah. Like really she goes she in, in this girl in this world is going is going to talk about feeling bad about cutting up a almost microscopic worm like at least give me a bullfrog <laughs> i could never dissect a bullfrog this I, is, I think she's a little young way, for a bullfrog by the way like, if you're keeping a home a, a score home this is a nitpick all right yes yeah it is <laughs> my question is how old is this girl right who knows? she She's seven. Uh, probably she's a couple seven. years younger than her sister, at least. Seven, eight. And Mika's like... Yeah. Or uh, Lizzie's like 11. So I I buy most of Mika's performance here, because it's a little naive, but I think that's just a kid's perspective. Like, they don't truly understand the danger that some people can pose. And the idea that, yes, it was a group of people who took out the prison hasn't really struck her in the same way that it struck everyone else. Yeah, it could be. I mean, and, and as far as I how- just think she's a kid being a kid, whereas Lizzie's a little bit older and psychotic, and I just I can't figure out her motivation at all. Yeah, and you know, like I, I said in the instant cast, I ran into Brighton Charbino at the Walker Stalker Con, and she's a spitty thing. Yeah, um, and she's billed age eleven. I can only imagine Mika. She's probably like three years old <laughs> in real life. Yeah, yeah. So Tyrese proposes that they stay in the cabin for good, and he says it's because he trusts everyone in that party, and he's not sure that he can find that anywhere else. Uh, this was good because we know that, you know, after the Karen and David thing that happened, um, <laughs> it's especially made good because Carol's the one who killed them. But but after that event, Tyrese definitely has trust issues. Sure, uh, someone in the prison betrayed him. In a very serious way, and now he doesn't even want to get back to people at this point. He only knows that he can trust the people he's with. Mm-hmm. So a very good scene there, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, we go to Mika spotting Lizzie kind of walking out of camp from the barn. Right. And she follows her, and then she finds her feeding mice to rats on the tracks. And then when she confronts her, Lizzie almost feeds herself to the walker so she can change, but she's interrupted by burnt walkers from the woods. And the Gimple did Mika no favors here with this dialogue. (laughs) What was it? We were pretending things were bad. They are bad. They are. Bad things are being, (laughs) and they are bad. Like, okay. Uh, Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. Little little George Lucasian in his. Uh, I just felt like there was there. a lot of repetition of dialogue, like when when uh, Lizzie's pet Walker is killed by Carol, she just keeps yelling, screaming, bent over, doubled over in anguish. You don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand. You killed him. You don't understand. He was friendly. You don't understand. Like, you know, it's interesting. Really, it's interesting because. Uh, Andrew Lincoln, when we were at his panel like back in October, mm-hmm. they seemed to prize that anguish emotion, that like super um, crazy ass in your face emotion. I've never seen anyone in real life act like that. Well, I mean, I uh, I can see where mm-hmm. you would in this, but but compare that. With the performances that Melissa McBride and Chad Coleman put in this episode. Mm-hmm. These are not showy. These are not over the top. And they're some of the best shit we've ever seen. Same with Lenny yeah. Bruce. No, it's not Lenny, Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce. Uh, who, who, Morgan. James? Lenny James. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm just I, – I wonder if the – I wonder if they're kind of just maybe wrongheaded in what they're going for in the show in general and that they're going for like big when they should pull it back and go small well i've really felt like clear if not for having an excellent actor would have been over the top i think it's very easy to take Hmm. that emotion that the crazy brought to it over the top yeah but there again and he almost did he was inches from it but he pulled it back that's a great example of a character that's going through some psychosis but Mm -hmm. instead of alienating us as an audience it's um, drew us in, and it's weird for me to say that because I know a lot. Ever, not everyone is alienated by these these characters. Sure, um, no. But I just wonder how much of that is if, like, if you really could step back and examine it, how much of it is just uh, uh, Melissa and Chad selling the shit yeah. out of the true horror, which is these a kid killing a kid, and then you having to put down a kid like a rabid dog. Yeah, that's heavy shit. Very. And they were able to bring it. Oh, oh yeah, every single scene. So hats off to them. It just, I mean, they, in my mind, saved the episode. Because you imagine mm-hmm. if they didn't. Oh yeah, yeah. If there was just no that that. If it if the if the performances were even less than great. Yeah. Right. Just just good. Just okay. Yeah, like you know, one commentator uh, early on this season said that Walking Dead hasn't earned the right to play with the big boy toys, hmm. and they're talking about like you know putting babies in jeopardy and things like that. Oh, that was when the um, uh, Lizzie was trying to strangle uh, uh, little ass kicker. Uh huh. Um, I think you'd have that charge all over again if Chad and Melissa were anything but excellent. Yeah, you might. Because it would you just might. be exploitive for no good reason. There was no art to it. We didn't feel anything, but we felt yeah. something. I mean, the the buildup in this episode was fairly good. I thought, you know, they kind of laid the groundwork for this happening and then built to it in a way that made not only that plot resolution meaningful, but also the resolution between Tyrese and Carol mm-hmm. very meaningful. And I think without the former, you couldn't have the latter. All right, so these, we'll talk about that when we get the there. The zombie flambe is work, making his way up to the train tracks. The girls go screaming and running. Uh-huh. Again, Lizzie gives every indication that she's afraid of these walkers. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and say that was their appearance. They are hideous uh, 
any more or less cinders. hideous than the other zombies we've seen? Yeah, well, that's a fair point. I mean, that's the other thing. Like <laughs> when your jaws hanging off, and that yeah. you know, maybe a kid. If a kid was raised by a pack of gruesome zombies, they might grow up thinking that they were not scary. But my mm-hmm. uh, my experience with kids were just that the zombies have a tough road to hoe being their friends just because of how hideous and scary they are. Oh yeah. Um, you know, crazy or not. Uh, so they're both screaming and running. Lizzie starts killing walkers. Mm-hmm. Why? What was the um, motivation in this? Well, scene? so what does she say there? Um, you mean the next scene when she says, I, uh, you have to stop him sometimes, but, yeah, that's what I was thinking. She just says that she had to help stop them. Why? And we don't know. If they're no better – if they're better than humans. If just a moment ago she was willing to let herself change, if just a moment later she's going to kill Lizzie to help her change. She had a gun. She could have killed Carol and Tyrese and or then to kill herself, Mika, and they sorry. all could have been a zombie family. Yeah. That would have been really – I mean that would have been fucking wild. And the people, the people misunderstand when I say things like that would be um, – I, I usually opt for, like, the interesting thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and if something was more interesting and, and less interesting, I don't really give a shit about the morality because, you know, yeah, these yeah. are real people. Sure. But I got called fiction. I got called very monstrous things in email about, like, my bloodlust towards Judith and all that stuff. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay. Um, but I just – again, it's like I, I, I don't get that – she has a consistent motivation, and then the end of the scene before they cut the commercial is one of the most awkward edits I've seen in the whole fucking series, where it's like um, she goes and hugs Carol, and they all walk off up until I'm sure the point where they said cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like as a direct result of the editor, like Jesus Christ, there's no, there's no good ending beat here. Hmm. And maybe I'm crazy, but I didn't you, notice it. But really, I just thought it was it was it was super awkward the way they had like three different cuts, and then to them slowly walking off stage as they pan to black. Hmm. I felt like cutting it the scene the 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 scene immediately before that, not the scene, but the the cut immediately before that would have been better. Okay, and I think that's again uh, first time director syndrome. As far as the walkers go, uh, the walker on the tracks specifically, they've done a lot of stuff, and we've talked about it in this episode with the fire from Daryl's moonshine party. Uh, They've made some interesting connections. We also talked about the other stuff with the group that found Daryl being the same group that was in Rick's house. Um, So there's another connection here that's really interesting uh, or or that's, that's made that's very much more subtle than giant plume of smoke in the sky, and that is the walker on the tracks is actually the same walker that Bob was hearing last episode when he couldn't sleep and was talking to Sasha. And we know that because... So in in that episode, you can hear like the sounds that the walker is making, and I guess they use those, sound, those same sound effects for this walker. So I guess they had just recorded, like filmed this episode and went back and put the sound effect into that old episode because he never saw that walker. Right. And Bob specifically mentions it sounds like he's stuck on something. So Which is kind of kind yeah, of a cool no, connection, cool. yeah, like and that. and way more subtle than a giant plume of smoke. Sure. So very cool there. It's another um, way that ties the fact these. I mean, the whole point I think they're making is these are all happenings happening simultaneously. Exactly, yeah. and again, or, or very very close in time. It's it's worked at various levels, but I do like 
I got to respect the fact that they've kept these groups separate. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting choice and um, a pretty brave choice in the writer's room, something I think is going to serve them well in seasons to come if they can keep true to it. But, yeah, that was uh, – um, I don't know. I liked it. <laughs> All right. I did too, yeah. Uh, and apparently Ryan Thomas liked it as well because he's the guy who sent us in the, the email that detailed that, although it was on Reddit, so I would have read it this afternoon anyway. <laughs> Other things. What but thank you, you, Ryan. Um. Let's go ahead and talk about the other things he talked about too. Um, okay, like the fact that because we had a question about like Michonne was shown pretty prominently um, seeing different paintings in the house that her and Carl were, yes. were clearing, and what did she see? She saw, she saw flowers, a, a bunnies, a bunnies, bunny. a blonde girl covered in blood, and now we've seen you know Lizzie was the, looking at the flowers when she died. The rabbits were savaged by her back in episode. Four oh two or four oh ten? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh then the blonde girl covered in blood. Yeah. Mika. All foreshadowing for, for this happening. Not bad, Gimple. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh so I, I feel like they've stepped up their game in regard to that just a little bit. Certainly. It's not quite a full package yet, but they're they're you know, again, give a shit scale, they're giving a shit. Yeah, and they are excising a lot of the Glenn Mazzara plot that we hated so much from the last few seasons. Mm. Uh, I think that's a fairly important thing for them to do moving forward. Mm. So Tyrese and, uh, or no, sorry. We go back to Carol, Mika and Lizzie talking about kind of what it means to live in this new world. Um, Carol here is talking about a very different thing than Lizzie is talking about. And they are both talking about a very different thing than Mika is talking about. Yeah. And, and this this reminded me, it was very reminiscent of the scene from the last half season where the governor is talking to Rick. And they're both talking about the same events. They're just talking slightly differently about them. And the people that they're talking around have a different idea from the idea that Rick and the governor have. Sure. Uh, you want to say anything else about that? Nope. Okay. Let's move on. When Carol agrees to stay in the cabin, Tyrese tells her about his dreams. Uh, this is a fantastic scene. A dream about Karen. <laughs> oh, not a very good Tyrese. Sw- swinging a whiff. We find out that Tyrese isn't ready to be around other people, which we kind of had already mentioned before. Oh, Christ. McBride's acting here. Yeah. When she's got her back turned to Tyrese, and he is just twisting a knife in her gut. Yeah. And then the way, like, that's just, you know, as a, as a person who's not an actor myself, it's amazing that she can get that quality where her, like, breath is catching when she's trying to reframe. It was like, well, maybe they're not haunting us. Because Tyrese is saying, are we doomed mm. to be haunted by the living? Uh-huh. She says, well, maybe they're not haunting us. Maybe they're teaching us. Maybe they're showing up, you know, they're giving us the kind of courage we need when when we do the terrible things that we have to do. Yeah, that's fascinating. The idea that the monsters are now helping them survive. Mm. That's that's just a very weird twist and uh, one that I like. It's interesting. Uh, so Tyrese has a gun in his hand in this scene because obviously they're out hunting. Uh, I don't know why... They're both out hunting, leaving the girls alone by themselves. I mean, other than the plot requires it. Yeah, that's another thing because I – them – the freeze tag zombie, you know, we talked about it, how Carol was so close to putting it together. 
Yeah. I think she was close enough that maybe she wouldn't have left those kids b- b- alone. I think leaving kids alone in a zombie apocalypse is a, a bad, bad idea, idea, period. Like, when point one of, blank. When one of them is showing signs of mental instability. And, and they have is, a baby with them. The other thing is, do you... When Carl, when I'm sorry, when Carol came upon, upon Lizzie and Mika mm-hmm. um, earlier in the season, the second episode, this half season, do you think she knew that Lizzie was trying to strangle Judith? I I can't answer that. I I just don't know. I but, kind of assumed that she did and tried, you know, just kind of got there in the nick of time, but maybe she didn't. Mm-hmm. But if she did, then maybe that's one more thing. I don't know. Just. It does seem pretty reckless, just like we said in Tyrese when uh, in episode yeah. two where he left the girls by, there in the woods, in the middle of the woods, to go save some random people. That's irresponsible. And the um, idea that Carol is just – Carol is their protector at this point, and she's just going to leave them there? Yeah, that's the thing where people are like, I can't believe, Aaron, you want this baby to die. No, <laughs> but if they're going to use it as a lame suspense engine – uh, when, when I don't believe adults would actually put the baby in needless suspense the way they do, I, I don't think it's interesting and I'd rather the baby die. Okay. I'd rather a fictional baby die than then bore me with this bullshit <laughs> there. If that's, if, if that makes me a monster, then I guess I'm a monster. <laughs> Maybe Lizzie will stick up in my defense one day. <laughs> Maybe. He's not bad. He's just different. You can see. He in... just wants to be my friend. <laughs> Don't kill Aaron. <laughs> uh, there's a moment in this scene where Carol almost reveals the truth to Tyrese. Uh, you can you can see it on her face. She's about to, but you know he's got a gun in his hand. And I think at that point, before he's had to make the decision about what to do with Lizzie, he kills Carol in that moment. If she tells oh, him, oh, you know what? I don't know. I actually think. Uh, that she didn't tell him just because she was overcome by guilt because he was basically – I think it's both – yeah. He was basically in an honest, unguarded moment telling her that she has done everything she – what she believes, mm-hmm. but it still makes her feel guilty. I just think she couldn't um, – because it would be – you know, if she said, well, funny you say that <laughs> and just turned yeah. around, I just don't feel like the time was right. And I, the, I agree with that, yes. And but Carol, I think if she had, oh yeah. done for. The thing is Carol's – Moral strength is shown later on. Well, you know what? I'll, just, yeah. I'll save it for then. Okay. Let's move on. Carol and Tyrese arrive back at the cabin to find that Lizzie has killed Mika, and Carol gets everyone inside and then puts Mika down before she can turn. Broke her promise to Lizzie. <laughs> yeah, but the real crime was that joke she told about the beer nuts versus deer oh, nuts. Oh, it's true. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not ethical. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Especially not coming from an asshole like Ed. And holy shit, uh, Lizzie's saying, I was just about to change Judith, and then uh-huh. Carol's like, but she can't even walk yet. And then her be like, <laughs> again, if they'd done a better job of con- being consistent with her character, that would have been even more freaky than it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that was creepy. Uh, back inside, Tyrese tells Carol about all the animals that Lizzie's been killing. So that, yeah, that stuff's put two, to bed. two together about all this stuff. And here yep. is Carol's moral strength. Because she could easily just pin this death on Lizzie and hmm. never would have risked confrontation with 
with Tyrese because he was ready to do it. And Tyrese wasn't going to go off and kill her, obviously. Tyrese is very disturbed. Mm -hmm. But he's, you know, rightfully so sympathetic about this child. Yeah, he basically wants to, like, have Carol take her or for him to take her and just kind of leave, you know, take I, separate the kids at that point, the baby and Lizzie. And there again, I think Melissa did a really great job in this acting scene because you can see as she goes through the motions of trying to consider, like, well, maybe I'll just take her. But it's not just Judith she's a threat to. If, if I close my eyes in front of this girl, she could decide she wants to, you know, change me. Yeah. There's no, I mean, it's the ultimate, like, the old man in the boat scenario where he's trying to get grain. He's trying to get a chicken, a bag of grain, and, and a wolf across the yeah. river. Mm -hmm. There, And she's doing the mental math, and she's realizing there's no combination this will work. There, and there's... she fucking did that with the power of acting in the space of 30 seconds and a little bit of dialogue. It's just really amazing. I agree. Uh, there is one solution that might have worked, and it's a solution we've seen before. Why doesn't she banish Lizzie? Oh, <laughs> uh, right? what? <laughs> yeah, banish Lizzie. Don't kill her. Just leave her. That's exactly what Rick did with her. Why not? I do. Are you being serious? You just I'm being, totally I'm serious. I'm too drunk to know whether I'm you're I'm totally being completely serious. No. That's, that's cruel. Oh, crueler than killing her. Yes. <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. Well, I can't argue that. Because I guess. she died not afraid and in no pain, whereas uh -huh. her dumbass in this world would have died screaming. Yeah, probably so. And that's if she's found by a fucking zombie. Uh -huh. If she's found by some of those fucks uh, that was true. what the, the Daryl's with now, it could be a hell of a lot worse. Oh, yeah. So, Definitely. no, you don't banish an 11 year old Jim. <laughs> All right, Not Rick might. Rick might. <laughs> uh, so Terrell, Carol takes Lizzie out to you the field and kills you, you her. You didn't go before the council for approval of killing your sister, Lizzie. <laughs> I can no longer trust you. What if they get back up at Terminus together, all of them, and Rick finds out that she killed Lizzie and he banishes her again? <laughs> <laughs> you are on double secret banishment, Carol. <laughs> if you come back again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Carol takes Lizzie out to the field and kills her. Um, I like, I mean, this is the best scene in the episode, in my opinion, uh, followed very closely by Tyrese's dream scene. Um, I like that there's no hesitation on Carol's part here. You could easily see her, you know, raising the gun and going, do I really want to do this? Is this the right thing? But Carol knows already it's the right thing. And Carol's had to do this tough thing before. And so she pulls up the gun, she cocks it, and she fires. A little too of mice and men for you? No. I mean, I enjoy when they get literary on it. Why not? Yeah. I mean, the, everything is an homage to something. And I, I can <laughs> see this actually happening, you mm -hmm. know. Uh uh, yeah, I'm not gonna. I mean, if you if, if you want her to die, not scared, right? This is a good way to do it, right? I mean, she's already prone to looking at flowers, <laughs> yeah. So why not? And we know those calm her. Uh, then we go back in to the house for another phenomenal scene where Carol tells Tyrese that she killed Karen and David, and tells him why. Wow. Yeah. Um, this is where I felt like. Chad Coleman really 
shown in this episode because before this, yeah, he was good, but he was kind of taking a backseat to Melissa McBride, but this is his scene. He was fucking intense, man. Yeah. Um, I don't know that this is true, but I got several emails and I think a thread, a threaded, a threaded on Reddit, uh-huh. whereas the puzzle that they were working was a puzzle of actual, of the actress that played Sophia. Yeah. I think that was said on talking dead. Oh, okay. So well, I think it's go. true. Yeah. Um, nice touch. Mm-hmm. Nothing like earth, earth shattering or brilliant, but it was a, it was, it was a nice homage. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and as I was saying before, I think, you know, before, killing Lizzie and before understanding how dangerous Lizzie was uh, and having to make that decision himself, I think Tyrese would have killed Carol when handed this gun. I liked Carol basically sliding the gun and letting go before she told the story because that was her putting her life in in, uh, Tyrese's hands. Yeah, and I think she saw the the pain that it caused her to have to do this deed and and terry says as much he says that he understands that carol felt their deaths and I it think, wasn't something she just did calculating and coldly yeah him i mean he knows how much those girls meant to her mm-hmm. and he saw that she did this for the greater good and i think that it's almost like at this point for him irrelevant whether the facts of the matter were correct or not but he's just basically like you know, I respect the fact that you do what you need to do to protect people. Yeah. And I might not agree with you and Karen and David, but the same person that killed Lizzie killed Karen and David. And it seemed like it was important for him to know whether they were afraid or whether they were in any pain and that he saw kind of how relatively merciful that Carol did it with, with uh, Lizzie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And better that, Carol killed them, and Lizzie killed them because she let him turn. <laughs> well, sure. Although that's, you know, I I don't know how much that's actually a thing. What like, do you mean? Is being turned into a zombie a fate worse than death? It doesn't seem I, like there's. I, I think you could make that case, sure. But I think it's like the same kind of it's the same impulse that lets makes people be squeamish about being an organ donor or donating their bodies to science, yeah, or worrying it's actual, about some physiological, psychological thing where there's yeah. part of you trapped inside this rotting hulk of meat. I don't, I don't see there's any evidence of that. No, I, I'm I'm with you. I don't think so. It's more of a courtesy thing than it is a real thing. It's like, what do you want to be done with your body after you die? Yeah, well, exactly. you're not going to care, but. Some people, well, but some there's people, still people who think about it while they're alive. This is a metaphysical question more than because sometimes I wonder if there is something to the whole, you know, Poindexter's research about recognition and zombies' eyes and sure. what, you know, yeah. And I mean that goes all the way back to Dawn of the Dead with Bub. I mean that's or even old the zombie movies themselves, <laughs> or even the way they chose to portray Amy's being resurrected and Andrea talking to her yeah. is like that was there's a little bit of like oh, and also. Um, uh, why we're talking about uh, Lenny James, uh, his uh, – shit, what's his character's name? Morgan. Morgan, Morgan's yeah. wife, and coming back to the doorknob. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they used to play with. And I know. They never do anymore. Yeah, they don't really. It's a shame because that's, um, that's another way they could get a little bit more horrific with it, a little bit more creepy. Because I, I do think that's one of the creepiest scenes in the whole series, her fucking trying that doorknob with – her and her looking in the you know the peephole and Rick looking right back at her. 
Yeah. Still oh, yeah. kind of gives me shivers. Very creepy. Uh, so then in the final scene, the group packs their pecans and they head off down the road. Uh, sorry, down the tracks toward Terminus. They did not abandon the baby. Or the pecans. <laughs> no, they did not abandon the baby. It was wrapped up on Tyrese's back. It's very obvious. I think so. Um, so here's the thing, and, and I'm going to defend myself one last time Well, before we did a feedback. <laughs> Um, I don't think I'm a monster for saying that it's an interesting choice if they had left. Because people are like, well, that would have <laughs> made those characters just spot. Yes, but that's interesting. I don't I don't dispute the fact that it might be interesting. The thing is – I people, don't think it would ever happen. I feel like they're using the baby like they use the USB flash drive in Revolution. It's humanity's last hope for whatever. A the, MacGuffin? But, yeah, and it's like – so there's two ways you because a baby's not fucking interesting. No, there's nothing interesting about. Interview baby. Judith about her character, <laughs> and she will shit her pants and cry for milk. Okay, <laughs> it's not interesting. It's not. It's not. No, you're right. Set aside your emotion. I promise you, I love children. I promise you, I love my son. <laughs> the baby's not interesting as a character. So she's only interesting in what she means to the group. She can be a symbol of hope. And a MacGuffin that they're trying to protect mm-hmm. and, by the way, endanger needlessly and cause us, you know, ringing the Pavlovian bell and we all as parents or people that are not, you know, psychotic get concerned about it. Or the baby can die and that is also interesting and in what that would make us feel. Well, they Especially probably ought to do they, both. they've killed her kind of three times at this point now. Yeah, I was going to say they ought to do both because you can only you can only milk one of those aspects while she's alive. And then you get one shot at the other one. Right. You can well, only kill her once. Unless it's Walking Dead, you get three shots. Yeah, well, yeah. Nobody really believed she was dead after no, season four. No, dude. I I think that's because the Reddit threads and stuff that we talked about. Sure, yeah. There was very little blatant evidence about, you know. So anyway, my Except point for is. for no babies. Uh, it's, it, you got to say, which is more interesting? Would you rather see, uh, especially in a zombie apocalypse, would you rather see a screaming um, zombie magnet? Um, continually put in danger uh, over and over again to manipulate us, or would you rather just this be done with? Sure. Uh, you know, on second thought, I do sound like a monster. <laughs> You're a convene, monster. Convene the, convene the Hague Committee. <laughs> prepare so, the gallows. So my, my, I guess, final question for this episode here, are Carol and Tyrese leaving for – Probably the same reason that the previous group at the cabin did. I mean, they they show a close up of this grave with these baby booties the on them. baby booties. A couple of times, so we know that, and it's a small grave. We know there's probably a child in there. It feels to me like something bad has happened here before, and Carol and Tyrese couldn't live with what had happened there. They couldn't stay. Do you think that's something that happened in the past as well? Obviously, not the same thing, but just. Something bad happened with this child, obviously. Totally interesting. However, there was an occupant in the, the house, I wonder. That's true. Yeah. yeah. If that, that is the original occupant, and he had buried his wife and older children and youngest child and then died some other way. I mean. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Certainly something bad happened there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because there was no one there, so except for a walker. All right. Uh, that's it. I don't have... Uh, a zombie kill of the week this time. I mean, I assume it's one of the ash, the ash-headed zombies. Sure. How about the one? I mean, those were the really head, cool. The head gets destroyed. I mean, I, the I, one again, that falls on the ground and you see the its house, head. That's the House of the Dead homage. Mm-hmm. And I'm, we all know who Idiot Survivor of the Week is this time. 
Uh, can you give it to Lizzie? She didn't survive. Uh, but at the time she th- that she was an idiot, she was a survivor. <laughs> all right, I was I would nominate Carol for missing all the obvious signs of insanity. Okay, if if we decide we couldn't give it to Lizzie. Okay. All right, and that's it for the recap. Why don't we do some pimping and then get to some feedback? Okay, so let's talk about this contest. Okay, we met a really cool dude, Richard, who's a fan of the show. Yep. And he and his wife are living the dream. They've started uh, – and it's been a, a successful screen printing business. And he is now branching off, and he's wanting to do some art things, uh, especially involving sci-fi and horror. And he's doing a lot of these really um, kind of Andy Warhol-esque prints involving, like, classic movie monsters. And um, he, he had uh, a, a really <laughs> cool print at the con that he sold out of, unfortunately, or we'd have snagged it, uh, called Double Solo. Yeah. Where he did like a you know a two chromatic uh, shift of Han Solo and it was very very cool. Um, I'm, do- I'm not doing it justice. You can f- go to his website at uh, screenmonsters.com. Um, but one thing he did he did a couple of uh, um, Walker some some things specifically for Walker Stalker Con. He had like a, a Hypno Stalker, which is a a a basic screen print of Daryl. Mm-hmm. Although he'd probably deny it for legal reasons, with like this funky background, yeah, the printed. one that, that kind of you know when you have those like arrangements of black and white lines where it kind of looks like it's pulsating or you're tripping on acid. Yeah, and he had a couple things like that, but he also had a couple silk screened uh, angel wings. Mm-hmm. He's giving away, and he's giving away a set of those full size and uh, kids. Yeah, he calls them the ass kickers, the little ass kicker wings. <laughs> if you got if you got a little ass kicker of your own that you wanted, these are so on; they're not iron on, so you'd have to do a little bit of crafty stuff to get them to, to look right. But they are really cool. I uh, got a picture of Jim um, holding them up on Jim's back that we're going to be posting to the website and Facebook. Uh, if this is something you're interested in winning, the uh, the way to do it is easy. You go to subbable.com slash bald move and you sign up. No purchase necessary. You do not have to back us for anything. You just have to subscribe mm-hmm. and then send us an email call uh, with a subject, Wings. Yep. How and do you spell subbable? It's S-U-B-B-A-B-L-E dot com. It's subscribe okay. with a double B, able dot com. It's a word I've never heard. Uh, well, it's an invented word. It's probably the reason it was still available to be registered as a domain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, com slash bald moves. Sign up. If you've got a Google account and you've got especially an Amazon account, you're already home free. You're, or, it's basically instantaneous. Or if you're already signed up, just send us an email. Yeah. The subject wings. Yeah, you don't have to sign up twice. It's not new subscribers. Just You just yeah. have to be a subscriber to win. Again, no purchase necessary. You do not have to back us for any particular dollar amount or dollar amount at all. Mm-hmm. Although we'd appreciate it. Sure. And... Uh, you will be entered, and we will pick a winner. Uh, probably, I'd say at the finale. How about the finale episode? Oh, two I weeks think from now? I think we need. I think we need to do it this week before then. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, then you better hurry up and get your entries in. Uh, we'll pick a winner by showtime on Sunday night. How about that? Wow, that's only five days, people. You need to get it in quick. Yeah. yeah. So Don't procrastinate. Again, it's a two-step process. Make sure you're subscribed on subbable.com/slash baldmove. Then send us an email, uh, wings. Yeah, so we'll pick one person for the big wings and one person no, for no, the they're ass going, kicker. I think they're going. They're to getting one, both. They're going to both. Yeah. Oh, only one winner. Okay, yeah, only one winner. Act now. <laughs> Supplies are limited. Uh, so yeah, thank you, Richard. Again, yeah. screenmonsters.com. We might be doing some other stuff with them in the future. Really cool to meet you. Yeah, very cool meeting you at the meetup. Also, I. I, I uh, in our meetup at Walker Stalker Con, I felt like I didn't. I, we haven't done a very good job describing the subable model. 
Um, so I'm going to spend a little about, you know, another 30, 60 seconds talking about that. And because Jim and I, like, we figure we say it once and everybody gets it and then we're shy about saying it again. Yeah. Subbable <laughs> is just a website that allows a, a listener or a consumer of content to back and subscribe and pay for patron and be the patron of the person making the content. And you can do that with a one-time uh, infusion of cash. You can say, I want to give Bald Move a dollar. And it's just going to be a one-time deal, and boom, they've got a dollar. Or you can say, I want to give them a dollar every month. Let it be 12 months uh, out of the year. And you know, this is an Amazon payment system. It's nice and safe and secure. And it, it, it takes that uh, and gives that money to, in, in the Gemini's pockets. The cool thing is we've got these perk levels. And every time you send us a dollar or five dollars or ten dollars, uh, you can that that can gets converted into perk dollars, and you can redeem those uh, on Subbable for different reward levels. So let's say you're Jonesing for the fifty dollar level, which I don't even know what the hell that is, Jim. I, um, I don't know either. Pro- I, don't I think, know that we have a fifty dollar level, but uh, I think it's sixty. <laughs> Uh, but let's say it's there, we have something cool that you want to <laughs> save up for. Well, five dollars a month for ten times, you can. It's not like a Kickstarter where you got to like, oh, I want the fifty dollars thing, but I can't afford it. Yeah, you can do five dollars a month, and in ten months you're there. As soon as you get to the level you want, you cash it in. Boom, yep. you got it. Very cool. So it's kind of like a, a. It's it's a lot like Kickstarter, except for it's like Kickstarter on layaway. Yeah, but you can. You it's like can, Kickstarter on speed. Kickstart. It's like Kickstarter <laughs> on speed, man. Man, super disappointed that I did that to Lou and he didn't get it. He yeah, or he, he didn't get or he he just didn't care probably. He didn't care yeah, because you got your picture taken. I did. With, I got a picture with Lou Temple. I got a picture with Greg Nicotero, which was freaking awesome. Yeah, you're, and I got you, to meet Gwendolyn Christie. That was super cool. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. yeah okay. Anyway, that's com slash bald move in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, Jim and I are doing this full time starting very soon. And, uh, you know, this is one of the revenue streams we've got to kind of support our, ourselves and our families. And if you would be so generous to sign up again, it costs nothing to sign up, but if you want to kick in a little extra, we greatly appreciate it. It's what really is going to enable us to, uh, turn on the the bald move spigot to full maximum flow here this year for sure um you know we are of course part of the bald move network you can find all of our content at baldmove.com um all of our television stuff but also our affiliates the personal arrogance crew out of seattle this year they're talking about flappy bird postmortem did you get to play flappy bird i didn't know you poor bastard you never will know <laughs> you just have to you, have you to know satisfy yourself the 12 clones it's in the app store now it that that is okay. I can live my life having never played Flappy Birds. Uh, they they do a Ghostbusters 3 treatment. Uh, they have science news. They talk about the Steam Revolution. The Because Show and Up Years Downstairs are both on hiatus this week. They've taken a week off. Um, especially Up Years Downstairs just finished up with... Uh, yeah, full season of Full season Downton of Downton Abbey. It was another crazy season. They're coming back next week with a uh, season recap. So if you want to get some feedback into them or... Uh, sort sort through your feelings about that. Check them out. Uh, always appreciate your ratings, reviews on iTunes, especially after a week like this when we sure we're sure to take a beating, <laughs> a fucking beating behind the woodshed. Uh, <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's the single biggest thing you can do to drive traffic to your cast. And honestly, one stars probably help as much as five stars because it's all about the recency and the heat being generated by these crazy hmm. ass reviews. 
That's my theory anyway. All right. <laughs> Finally, Amazon affiliate link always works. Amazon.baldmove.com. Anything you buy on Amazon, if you're buying shit anyway, use that link and we get a cut of the profits. It's really great. And Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Let's hit some feedback, man. Feedback. Keith B. on Facebook says, uh, we would have bought into the idea of a girl like Carol's daughter, a poor child with a physically abusive redneck father and a weak-willed mother becoming as psycho- psychologically imp- twisted as Lizzie. We would have related to Carol's daughter's rejection of the living, her role models, and her acceptance of the undead. Her craziness would have made sense to us. Who could have made sense of Lizzie's craziness? Lizzie's parents didn't give her any cause to distrust or reject the living. There is no mention of Lizzie torturing animals before the zombie apocalypse. It's not enough that the trauma of the apocalypse changed her from everything nice to everything knife. We would have found her character a lot more compelling if we could have imagined her going over the edge in a world where the apocalypse didn't happen. I completely agree. The The thing is, like, not that none of that happened, but that we were just never shown it. It's, it's a yeah. matter of... Was she torturing animals before the zombie apocalypse? There... Did the zombie apocalypse break her? Was she a normal girl before? Do we we need a flashback? We need some sort of something to tell us who she was before she went crazy, right? And yeah, we got none of it. And we we got some more of that. What do you would you think if they were able to keep Sophie going? If or Sophia, if they didn't just use her as a kind of meaningless go nowhere plot device for all season, which two. turned out to be awesome at the very end, but <laughs> yeah. Coming but, out of that barn was pretty freaking rad. But what if what if she had lived yeah. and steadily over the three last three seasons kind of come unhinged? Well, that's perfect. Then, then we see a backstory for this right? character. Then we see it in action. We don't know anything about Lizzie's psychosis except that he, she is crazy. Yeah, and it would give the writers a lot more. Of course, you know, we had three showrunners since then, so God only. <laughs> yeah, that's That might have been a disaster, too. Uh, Jason A. says, uh, burn walkers aren't an anomaly. It's not something this episode introduced. The governor's pile of burn walkers at the bottom of the screaming pits were still moving, if you'll recall. Mm-hmm. It's not that this was a set piece that breaks canon. What broke canon is episode one of season two. Those zombies <laughs> are the exception. has no reasonable explanation except that Darabont wanted a cool set piece. I'm with you. I'm with you, but... How do I reconcile those two things? Yeah. They've both been shown to me on screen. I've got I got a way. All right. Alcohol fires just aren't that hot. <laughs> no. They don't have the heat necessary to cook a brain. The trouble is when she shoots the head off that zombie, its brain is ash. Like you can clearly see it is just a smoldering cinder of a brain. All right. That is some bullshit. <laughs> uh, Tyler S. says, oh, oh, oh. He's uh, applying for a role of uh, Poet Laureate here. Okay. What's he got? There once was a crazed little lass mm-hmm. who liked to chase walkers through the grass. Too bad the bite missed her because she killed her sister, and now they're both plant biomass. <laughs> oh, That last line is a stretch, but I like it. I like it. Very nice, Tyler. Very nice. <laughs> Uh, Ginny D says, I wonder if the fact that Tyrese was able to forgive Carol for Karen's muster. Wait, whoa. Karen's muster? I mean, let me increase Wait, the font size a little they bit. They have mustard and pecans? <laughs> mustard pecans are pretty good. I've never had them. Um, it gives you green poupon. <laughs> oh, no. I wonder if the fact that Tyrese was able to forgive Carol for Karen's murder because he had just had to make the same decision about Lizzie. Mm-hmm. If Carol's confession had come at any point before the ethical dilemma, I think the outcome would have been very different. We yes. Yeah. Totally on board with that. No, Jenny. you're absolutely right. 
Ryan M says, I wondered if you'd ever compiled a list of the best acting performances moments on the show's history. The show hasn't been blessed with the strongest actors. It's a little embarrassing, really, that every other cable show has an actor headlining a new movie. Kit Harrington, Joel Ken- uh, Kinnaman, Aaron Paul, even fucking Sullivan Stapleton from Strike Back in the new 300. <laughs> Who? But The Walking Dead, you haven't seen Strike Back yet. No, I have. On Cinemax? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's I one saw the, one episode. One of the leads of that. Okay. Uh, but The Walking Dead isn't seeing their actors pop up anywhere in movies. Wait, what? Norman Reedus, Andrew Lincoln? What have Huge movie in? stars before this. Before all of their, this. All of their time is taken up with the show, this man. This is where movie stars go to die is what he's saying. <laughs> okay, maybe Ryan. so. Ryan them. I doubt this will kill Norman Reedus' career, honestly. It'll make it better. Uh, however, I want to give a special shout-out to Chad Coleman's reaction to when he saw Lizzie standing over Mika with that knife. It was utter horror conveyed in an understated realistic way the understated realistic the pot- exactly the walking dead would have the potential to be an all-time great show if they kept that level of acting throughout the series totally agree man totally you agree. said it all in understate understated realistic that to me is the key to good acting and that it wasn't totally brought by everyone in this episode uh nina p from projectfandom.com once again, is disappointed with us, Jim. Mm, I, I don't okay. know. I don't know what we've done to deserve to deserve this shit uh, all over the episode in our instant yeah, cast. Maybe. <laughs> but we didn't. We didn't. We spent the first ten minutes. We spent praising. ten months. The first ten minutes, like, <laughs> over this episode, man. We did rightfully yeah. so. Uh, Nina B or Nina P says, guys, Lizzie was mentally ill. The first time we heard Mika tell her, Lizzie, look at the flowers. We assumed it was an off the cuff direction to calm her down because their dad had just died. She's referring, of course, to the second episode of season four, a infected. Um, in this episode, after the Jason Roberts Walker tried to attack, she said, I don't want to say when asked why she's upset. She wasn't scared of that Walker. She knew that they were going to come out and kill it, and it freaked her the fuck out. She had no control over that. Mika immediately went into the look at the flowers, but added, let's count to three. Even Carol looked confused. I think this is to show that this is something that they'd been employing with Lizzie long before we met them at the prison. I would go so far as to speculate that this is why there's a picture of flowers in their cell to begin with, to give her something to look at when they needed to calm her. Cool theory, bro. So has she always been psychotic? That's her theory, but there that is that's something that's being read into the material that's not in in evidence. And you can do that. Like the perfect example, Gail, Walking Dead or Gail Breaking Bad happened to have a bust on his shelf of his apartment that had the face half peeled off. Mm-hmm. People are like, Oh my god, that foreshadowed Gus, fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Whether that's right or not, it had nothing to do with the mechanics of the plot. I'll give you a counterexample. Uh, so, so what, just let me finish my okay. thought. Yeah, yeah, sorry. This is actually something the plot hinges on. Yeah. You, I don't think you can really assume that they had this elaborate flower therapy to deal with her. And if so, um, why wouldn't her father mention that before he died? Mm-hmm. And why wouldn't Mika have mentioned that? You know, the Carol. It's like this shouldn't be surprise. If it's a surprise to us as an audience, it shouldn't be a surprise to all the characters. It just feels like they're making shit up. What were we going to say, Jim? Uh, well, uh, let me address that point real quick. I think there is a tightrope you can walk because I don't want characters to just monologue about everything that's important to their character development. Yeah, show not tell. I, sure, sure, show not tell. But also, you can imply quite a bit, like you were talking about earlier with 
just Melissa McBride's facial expression. Okay. Uh, her understanding, I need to do something about Lizzie. She's crazy, but I can't. That's not explicitly drawn out in the episode, but it's something you can you can just figure out by watching the episode. But I think a lot of these theories, like especially with Bob, uh, people are <laughs> saying like, and this is totally blown out of the water now because we know that Bob wasn't dissecting the rats, none of that stuff. Right. Um, but people are saying that Bob is like some uh, <laughs> some lunatic as well. Or he was an agent of the governor. Or, or an agent of the governor, yeah, whatever you want to say going back to the last half season. There's nothing on screen to tell us any of that is all speculation. Right. All of it based on just ideas that might be cool. Right. That's fine. You can speculate, but the idea that they're not showing us something on screen that we need to know to understand what's actually going on is not cool. It's just it's silly. Uh, I concur. Nina continues. Anyway, right before the walker came out, Mika assumed Lizzie was upset by the baby's grave, and Lizzie told her that she was upset because if they found walkers in there, they're going to kill them. She can't talk them into sparing one like the incapacitated one on the tracks, or if she can talk them into sparing one like the incapacitated one on the tracks, she will. I think it is easier to, to for her to kill the ones who were burned because they were so burned. Uh, she said something later in the table like, I understand when they're in groups like that, we have to kill them. But Lizzie will have to reason uh, with uh, Henry at the prison, lure Henry at the prison, female walker playing tag, and save walker on tracks, a single walker if she can. Another one is like, okay, again, cool theory about her feeling sorry for the burned walkers, but mm-hmm. where the hell is that? Because all the walkers are pretty fucking miserable condition physically. Yeah. Even the and... coverall dudes that she's feeding rats at the prison is an obviously rotted corpse. Yeah. So why did she, you know, it's like, well, they're extra scary because they're burned. I Again, that's a cool theory. I mean, yeah, maybe. But there's nothing on screen I just that wish, says that. Yeah, if they would have wanted us to get that, they should have told us and that. And if we somehow. just go by what we saw from the performances and what the character said, we have a kind of a jumbled mess where we have to put meaning on it as the audience. And I, I don't really like that. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I, it's tough when you're dealing with actual meaningful plot points. Like, if you want to read into some kind of theme or you want to read into, like, the meaning of a specific character's actions in one instance that doesn't necessarily have to do with the overarching plot, yeah, that's fine. But when we need to know a sequence of events here, and again, we need to understand it. The, again, the scenes with Carol and Tyrese are going to be much more weighted, weighted emotionally to the extent that we believe in all the characters. Sure, yeah. And... I don't think anyone can say they really connected with Lizzie as a real little girl or someone to be pitied. <laughs> I don't know if you can say that. You you can't speak for everyone, certainly, right? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe some people did connect with him. You didn't. Really? You didn't. You can say that. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you're right. You're right. I can't. I, I don't want to be come across that arrogant. I'm just saying that for me, it was hard to connect. What would made it a 360 degree awesome performance if it, if I connected with the little girls as well as I did with, and it was yeah. a tragic inevitability. Yeah. Um, but I didn't understand Lizzie's motivations enough to see the tragic inevitability of it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. And, and apparently neither did Carol because she did nothing about it. So. All right. Daniel, or it might be Danielle. I might have fucking wrote that down wrong. Um, from Australia, uh, said, um, 
In our society, we fight to keep children alive and wars, plagues, and pretty much every historical event. Most, peop- most people lay down their lives for children of all ages. I don't remember any great stories in history that involve people killing children as they made su- uh, survival difficult. I think Judith offers tension to scenes that is a positive, not a negative, and you yourself as a father, I find it amazing you don't feel that. The scene of her crawling on the rug near a dead Mika was chilling itself. Great imagery. <laughs> I can't argue with that. Uh, uh-huh, for you to even sure. suggest that the show could have or should have gone down a road of abandoning her to kill or killing her off would change the dynamic of the show, the characters, mm-hmm. and frankly would be a disaster. It would make Carol and or Tyrese despised by much of the audience. Yes, but characters that you despise can be fucking interesting. That, um, that's true, yeah. I think Jim was spot on that it would be a very bad decision, and I'm struggling with your lobbying for Judith's head. I still think the <laughs> writers see her as a hope for the future, and frankly, that's a worldwide opinion when it comes to children in times of disaster and crisis. For me, it's a better show with Judith in it, as I know many people care that little bit more. I don't even know that that's true. There's certainly lots of stories in truly desperate situations where uh, parents have to sacrifice their children or, de- or decide to sacrifice their children because they're driven mad by hunger or despair or fear. Hmm. Um, lots of real yeah. examples in human history. I can't think of any in fiction. Uh, I want to say Grapes of Wrath, maybe. Hmm. Um, I haven't read that. That final scene where I can't remember if the, mother, if the young mother, her baby, died. Anyway, um, I don't agree that keeping babies alive all the time is 100% the requirement of keep, fiction. Keep digging, man. Keep digging. <laughs> I don't believe we need to keep babies alive. <laughs> uh, but you're right. I mean, the scene of her crawling on a rug near dead Mika was chilling in itself. Great imagery. Yeah. I, the other thing you got to understand about me is I am really over the threat of her being dead and the fact that uh. she faked me out in thinking her dead. Because, again, I'll, I'll go back and say – there's two ways she can be used: icon, hope for the future, or uh, sympathy magnet. Or and they've already played that button twice now. They they have. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And They're, do you think it's interesting um, that if they would just continue to do that? I mean, how many seasons? Let's say let's say she's two years old and she's a toddler now. She's three years old. She becomes the Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen of The Walking Dead. <laughs> At what point do you say enough is a fuck enough? I, I think just go ahead and make the spinoff The Crawling Dead and you're all good. Yeah, how do you get off easy, Mr. <laughs> Zombaby? How do you hey, I don't want Judith dead. I'm just saying if there's a zombie baby out there, I want to see it. No, I don't want Judith dead. If I was in The Walking <laughs> Dead, I would die to save Judith. That's very noble of you. As an outside watcher, I'm calling bullshit on the fact of them using that as an emotional fulcrum. No, I totally get what you're saying. Co- right. Completely. I, and I don't think you are uh, a potential baby murderer. I, <laughs> I just think that you are tired of this plot device. Yeah. That they've used over and over again. Yeah. yeah. And they haven't overused it yet. It's just the fact that they did it so blatantly on the last cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. I they, know well, they and, did. And then again, it's like, do you trust the person? Or, and know? then they tried to smother it. Like, pick, yeah. pick a side. Go with it. Yeah, this is, the, the again, the third time now mm-hmm. they've put her in mortal jeopardy to make us get an emotional reaction. How many more times can they go to that uh, walker polluted well <laughs> and still get water? That's we'll the question out. you got to ask. Matt E. says, 
Greg Nicotero said something about how the walkers do their disintegrating eyes can only see movement in light. Thus, the crispy walkers in this week's episode that apparently had been attracted were apparently attracted by the distant fire. Weren't walkers coming straight yeah. at people standing still in thick fog just a week, week ago? Hmm. Well, that was... They're also attracted to sound, right? Were they making noise? Yeah, they did much. I will say that I think that's one of the things that Darabont regi- regime intended to do is stay very faithful to a set of facts in the zombie Bible. Yeah. And I think that other showrunners have played fast and loose. But it used to be that you know zombies were first attracted by... By movement and sound and scent, and those are their key. Like in in, uh, I guess it should be scent, then sound, then movement in order mm. of their keenness of senses. They okay. were very good at smell. That was the last of their senses to go. They were very good at hearing, less so at at seeing. Um, yeah, there was a a zombie Bible that came out for yeah, the show, no, right? We, we we in the old zombie drill, we talked about it, yeah, which we need to release because we let that slip yeah. out at the meetup and people are clamoring for it. <laughs> okay, sure. I don't know if they're knowing what they're clamoring. Yeah, for. they they have no idea what they're getting. <laughs> the Walking Dead pre alpha version, mm-hmm. it sometimes crashed on you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I just don't. I mean. Maybe the zombie, the fog zombies were fresher zombies. They had more functioning eyes, but they still yeah, had hearing know. and smell. So what the hell? Uh, Kimberly M said, "Totally understand your frustration and the motivations of Lizzie." Well, thank you. That's nice. <laughs> what? Uh, I think it would have been uh, cooler to slip inside her mind and see what she saw, kind of like a flash present. Mm. But I think the larger Lizzie issue of the episode <laughs> superseded the details. The fact that Carol and Tyrese have had come around to deal with. Lizzie, that they had to do this together, is directly related back to Carol killing Karen and David on her own. Totally correct. Which leads to Carol's confession to Tyrese. She understands Carol's position, right or wrong, because they had just decided to kill Lizzie for the good of the group. Hard decisions all, but it comes full circle. The show Mm -hmm. has questions that it had to answer, and these episodes have been doing that, right? In order to go forward with a clean slate, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. I think this episode was very well plotted. Aside from just not understanding Lizzie's motivations. And I, we, we talked about kind of the... And, and that the, was a path that took 14 episodes to get to. This wasn't a failure of this episode. Sure. Although I argue yeah. that with the time they had and, and the, mm-hmm. this is multiple failures leading up to it. And again, this episode is not a failure. Sure. This episode is really good. It, this episode was... Despite yeah, really the strong. lack of foundation. Just like Lori's death was really affecting despite the fact that we didn't give a shit about her character. Yeah. Um, anything else to say? What do you, should we move on? What do you think Lizzie POV looks like on film? You think it's bu- just like a bunch of flowers and walkers like playing with her in the fields, like swinging around hand in hand? Yeah, in no, I feel like that the zombies are replaced by like unicorns and kittens. <laughs> okay, and there's yeah. rainbows and the people have like skulls over their faces, and <laughs> it's right. kind of like the cornify. Have you seen that? The Cornify no. plugin for like Chrome and Firefox that that just randomly adds unicorns and rainbows to websites. That... <laughs> no, I've seen the one that puts Velociraptors at the bottom. Oh well, <laughs> same thing, only less horrifying. Okay. Uh, Joshua S says we really haven't learned anything new about. Uh oh, this is a this is a negative Nelly. Hmm. We really haven't learned anything new about the characters in this half of the season. Bob was lonely because he was alone. Daryl's a nobody who followed his brother around. Carol. Or Carl is a bitchy teenage boy with pudding addiction. We did find out about his pudding addiction. 
tragic pudding addiction. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Maggie needs to find Glenn because she he is all she has left. Sorry, Beth. The only person we really found anything out about was Michonne, but we kind of already knew that she had lost a child when she started ba- uh, bawling after holding Judith. Uh, hilariously, he spelled balling B-A-L-L-I-N-G. Like, she's balling. She's yeah. balling out of control. She was. Did you see all the cash in her purse? <laughs> <laughs> um, I shouldn't pick on you, man, but that was super funny. Sorry. Um, <laughs> just, you know, I'm the guy that says Martinez. So. Yeah, right. Um, the only person we found anything. Oh, wait. Sorry. Uh, I feel I feel like they're wasting Chad Coleman the same way they wasted Michonne in season three one instead of uh, only instead of getting the mean mugs we get the confused Tyrese look which looks like this sure no what was this email sent after this episode aired yeah because they definitely didn't waste Chad Coleman in this episode we did get a lot of confused Tyrese though we did yeah and a lot of horrified Tyrese right 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 so I liked. Uh, Busted up eye Tyrese is what I like. Look, they have not used Chad Coleman effectively in this series up until Uh, now. Okay, I will give you that, but this episode. fucking amazing. Uh Uh-huh. And they're starting to get a feel over how to use, uh, you know, LG2. Uh, They're starting to get a feel of how to use this. I mean, they've got some serious acting talent on this show. Yeah. So I, I do think his point there, you know, is is a good one. And I would argue that up until now, I haven't seen anything that really indicated how good of an actress Melissa McBride was either. I have. I mean, there there have been glimpses of it, but, but this episode just, is just a tornado. That time she went to town on her husband Ed's head in the first season? That's a long time ago. That okay. was a lot of emotion, Joan. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe I just didn't... She did just... The thing is, she was written terribly hmm. in season two. Yeah. The, by far the well, other than like maybe Lori, okay, by yeah, yeah. Far, and Andrea. My <laughs> God, the women—they just didn't have a good hand on the women in season two. She she wasn't written very well at all. Yeah. It was like passive aggressive. I'm mad that my daughter. I'm kind of sad. I'm kind of ambivalent. I don't feel anything. Really weird. But starting in season three, she's really become one of my favorite characters. Yeah, absolutely. Once they hit the prison, she just morphed Coming into something own. that. Yeah, it's really interesting to watch. Uh, Lori C. said, I like that the show is giving the viewers attention or answers to lingering questions and the characters are talking to each other, not withholding information for just, just for the sake of drama. That said, I'm not sure I believe Tyrese would be so forgiving of Carol. What happened to his ch- uh, change his outlook? How did he go from maniacal and beating on Rick to then so calm and saintly towards Carol? Did I miss something here? The entire th- last 20 minutes of the episode. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, that changed Tyrese's mind completely. He saw her at great sacrifice mm-hmm. do something to protect their small group, and he had to make the same decision himself. And he knows that 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 she didn't do this without thinking about it. She yeah. That she feels the weight of her actions on her soul the same as he does. But so, what do you think he meant by "I forgive you, but I don't forget"? I don't forget. I I think he means exactly that. I mean, he thinks I, – I think that he, he will just remember this. This is something that – you know, the death of his girlfriend. Ice cold? N- no, no. I don't think that has anything to do with Carol, honestly. I think that just has to do with him remembering his girlfriend who was killed. 
and he forgives her for that action, but he's not going to forget that it happened. Like, how can he? Um, interesting bookmark to this uh, email. Tom Tom said, impressed that the writers made it believable that Tyrese would genuinely forgive Carol mm-hmm. after what they just experienced together. Did not really see a way both could exist in the same group again. Although, again, mm. another episode where the lost romantic relationship is mourned, but no mention of the missing sibling. Oh, yeah. fucking A. Yeah, where's Sasha? <laughs> Um, where's Sasha at string? Um, <laughs> he also has a parenthetical that a part of you hope Rick would stumble out of the woods just as Carol was shooting the kid. <laughs> no, but I did hope God Carl. Damn it, Carol! Not again. <laughs> I did hope Carl would stumble out as they shot the deer. <laughs> Is that roughly the same? Deer are fucking bad news in this. They're either they chowed down by zombies. They're killing. They're killing kids. Or Especially when Carol says you have to toughen up and you have to be prepared to kill things. Uh huh. Otherwise, you're gonna die. And she can't kill the deer, and she dies in this episode. Well, that's rough. Not for Bambi. Uh. Mr. Rock and Rock said, would it have been more powerful for Carol to have immediately shot Lizzie in the moment Tyrese took Judith to safety? This is something this I propounded mm-hmm. on the instant cast. Short answer, yes. However, I think it's necessary to play out this way for the sake of believability of the Tyrese storyline. I arrive at okay. this conclusion thusly. Yeah, you vigorously nodded your head no. Uh, I said no until he said that. All right, well, and then fuck I, off. And then I totally agree. Mr. Rock and Rock has the stage. All right. Ford does not recognize Jim Jones' authority <laughs> to but bulge, bulge the bulge in the middle of an email. Well, get that bulge well, to take it elsewhere, sir. You know, I had trouble swallowing Tyrese's forgiveness of Carol. I think that scenario happens all too often on screen. So at first, I chalked his motivation up to a bit of morality with a sprinkle of pragmatism. When he said he would forgive but not forget, I thought that that was way of his saying, "Good night, Carol. Good work. Sleep well. I'll most likely kill you in the morning." <laughs> Uh, you don't get that because you've not seen The Princess Bride. No, but I don't think he's going to kill her. That's just a joke. Okay. Gotcha. Then I heard some discussion in another podcast where a panelist posited that Tyrese realized in retrospect that Karen's fate had already been sealed, the fate being a long period of suffering, then dying, then possibly turning. Mm, okay. I could buy that. Except for Tyrese's sister who beat it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And Glenn, but, but who But he doesn't apparently... remember her clearly. Yeah. And Glenn, too. <laughs> right. Um... Glenn should have been the healthy one, and Beth should have been the sick one, and this would have been a very neat comparison. Mm-hmm. Anyways, would you stop interrupting Mr. Rock and Not Rock? <laughs> sorry. Christ, I'm sorry, Mr. Rock and such, Rock. Such a rude host. Um, during the time that passed since her quote-unquote passing, he probably came to the conclusion that she likely wouldn't have lasted until the meds arrived. He may have even come to reconcile her death as a blessing in disguise, considering the suffering it obviated. After Carol's confession, Tyrese was concerned about whether there was any suffering during that fateful night. This isn't normally the first question a person asks of his girlfriend's murderer, mind you, unless the suffering angle was the crux of his psychological reconciliation of a loved one's death. In addition to that, Tyrese was finally forced to face a post-zombie apocalyptic moral dilemma. And being part of the what-to-do-with-Lizzie deliberation, he was able to see that certain impossibly hard choices had to be made in their world. This gave him a glimpse of what Carol's mindset was regarding Karen and David, right or wrong. He also realized that he personally couldn't do what he what had to be done. Ooh. Hmm. That might be the whole Interesting. scene of him looking at the window that he's like, fuck, I couldn't do this. Yeah. If Carol weren't here, I'd be fucked. 
Uh, as for because I try to fucking bumble along with Judith and and this girl both. Could you please stop interrupting interrupting Mr. Rock and Rock? <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, as for Carol, in a way, she showed that she's ready to rejoin society, as it were. She's still willing to do the hard things, but this time after the requisite deliberation. Yeah, no, he's he's absolutely right. He nails everybody's motivation in that scene and throughout this episode. Couldn't agree more. Oh, I gotta get. I just now it popped in my mind. I got some. I gotta get some fan service out of the way. Okay. God damn it! I'm sorry, Stacy. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Okay. Lisa S dash R said, I think that the light writers were trying to get us to drop our guard when Lizzie started shooting the crispy zombies and that way that Carol looked at her approvingly. So when Lizzie's killed Mika, it was more of a shock. I'm with you. I would have liked to seen Lizzie with more consistency in her character and motivation. The way she flip flopped made me lose interest in her character. And frankly, at the beginning of the show, I was shouting at the TV that I couldn't stand the watcher anymore of the storyline. <laughs> Also, a reminder that the last thing that Carol said to Lizzie was everything will turn out the way it should, which is what Lizzie's mom used to say to the girls. On a side note, Melissa McBride revealed that the jigsaw that was on the table was with her was Tyrese. Yep. It was actually Sophia in her rainbow shirt. Um, yeah, so we actually – I remember to bring that up in the cast. So thank you I feel like that. we should print up a rainbow shirt to wear to the next con. <laughs> can it be like half shirts so of my midriff is exposed? absolutely yeah right sure on, right on deb k that had to be an incredibly difficult role for a youngster to play agreed a kid her age is only going to have the most minimal understanding of the psychosis or mental illness involved and to try to understand the motivation of and perhaps portray someone suffering from it to the degree of a serial killer takes mega moxie you want to bitch slap the director and writers for not having a handle on the crazy, then go for it. And, Deb, I do. But I'm crediting the kid as making the scenes as believable as she could. And I could get behind that. As believable as she could, certainly. Yes. Um, having Lizzie weave back and forth imperceptibly between lucidity and crazy town may be inconsistent with the patterns of schizophrenia. But I can accept the premise of walking corpses. I can be a little flexible on characters displaying <laughs> a bit of inconsistent behavior. That's interesting because I'm the opposite. Mm -hmm. Like my suspension of disbelief goes as far as walkers. Yeah. Like. It goes as far as the universe. If Chad Coleman started fucking levitating, I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> sure. Like, just yeah. because I accept something impossible is happening doesn't mean like, okay, I've, I've given you that. I've carved off that territory. All I ask you is now to be logically consistent in the way that you treat these weird things sure it doesn't yeah. apply to like okay well you can just be fast and loose with the crazy character and it'll be like well whatever walkers so do you think it's a little too late for them to start establishing new rules as far as walkers go can they can the walkers evolve can the disease no. well change? i mean in my mind no 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 yeah but me too unless I'm they have something i mean they would have i don't know i guess there's a way they could handle that maybe so um but it can't just be at the whim of a plot. Then it's because yeah. like Superman, it's like he can do anything that the writers need him to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, it's always fascinating. Uh, returning to Deb's email when the series explores how this new landscape for humanity would change, what can, constitutes being moral or ethical and the hard and painful decisions that would ensue. Poor Carol has become the self-appointed mommy of the zombie apocalypse, saddling herself with all the terrible tasks that nobody else wants to undertake, and whether right or wrong, cleaning house with efficiency that would make the undead Martha Stewart proud. Perhaps 
That'd be a cool t-shirt, an undead Martha Stewart. <laughs> it's a good thing. Perhaps it's an atonement of whatever culpability she feels in Sophia's death, or perhaps it's an extension of the battered wife mentality that kept her trudging along before patient zero. What do you think mm. about De- Deb's? I think we already talked about most of it. We did, yeah, yeah. And yes, Carol is very, as post-apocalyptic mama, she's very, she's she's pretty amazing. Yardley H. says, I think the writers missed a huge opportunity to make Carol's confession to Tyrese way more intense, and they wasted another chance to let Chad Coleman flex his acting muscles. Throughout the episode, Tyrese says Karen is constantly in his dreams, and he always thinks about her and how she died, and when he finds out, he doesn't even push over the table. Really? Yardley wanted to see some table flipping. (laughs) Okay. Uh, There should have been a moment. Puzzle pieces everywhere. (laughs) They'd never been able to put it together. No way. There was this huge buildup to what would happen when Tyrese found out, and the writers have written his character to where you knew there was no chance he would kill Carol, so no suspense there at all. And I you, didn't know that. Right. I didn't know that watching that scene. Uh, well, Maybe I'm dumb, I but I didn't know suspected, it. But mm-hmm. I thought that they did a good job of me knowing Tyrese the way I did and knowing his seeing what he was seeing through his own eyes that I surmised that he'd probably spare Carol. Okay. Um... Anyway, Yardley felt there's no suspense there. In your opinion, what does I'll forgive you but not forget mean in their situation? I'll fuck you up if you do that to my next girlfriend? (laughs) Yeah, every girlfriend Tyrese gets, Carol just kills her. I think he meant I forgive you because this specifically is something where you felt like you were trying to protect a group. And I I agree with whoever said it above that as the patient zero of the prison flu – Karen is probably a goner anyway. Mm-hmm. But Tyrese is like, I now know this. Uh, Tyrese couldn't do that. Yeah. And I feel like anytime, like, you're a type of person that can't do something. Like, if you're uncomfortable at lying, and then you find out someone is an accomplished liar, uh-huh. that's really interesting information to know about that person. And it's going to inform, sure. you know, it's like... How you deal with him in the future. Yeah, you might to. want me to believe you. Or Tyrese, like, you might – like, it would be interesting in a season that Carol needs him to be merciful for her, and he's, like, you know, hoister on her own petard here, so to speak. So yeah. I think that's what he meant. Like, gotcha. I forgive you, but I now see you. Yeah, yeah. I understand what kind of person you are. That makes a lot more sense. Uh, last non-spoiler email. Uh, Tony from Colorado said, uh, I never liked the lines that the kids have or sometimes the lines – Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me, let me back this up. I never like the lines that the kids have. Or sometimes the lines are good, but the actors have a hard time delivering them. I think Lizzie's freak out in this episode over Carol killing the zombie's playmate was way overacted, and I rolled my eyes and <laughs> smiled because it looked Thank like you. a skit off of SNL. Maybe if she sobbed uncontrollably and muttered those same lines, it would have been more disturbing, showing more heartbreak than anger. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And that's 100% direction. Because yeah. the lines are what they are, and, you know, it's like my son can't play guitar. <laughs> okay. If I had two weeks and preparation, I could maybe teach him to play something really simple, like the entire catalog of Nirvana. <laughs> I kid. Um, but, you know, it's like I could it's teach true. him some power chords or, like, maybe the opening bars of the Star Wars theme or something, okay? Mm. If I knew I had to get the shit on film. I wouldn't fucking have him play some uh, Hendrix. 
some Hendrix or Joe Sat what is his name? Satriani. Satriani. Yeah. I, I that would just be setting him up to fail, <laughs> and I would be an asshole. Gotcha. So like, I feel like again, I'm totally on Miss. Uh, I'm totally on Brighton's side here. I mm-hmm. she was not generously directed and written for at all. Okay. Um. This show tries hard to get their message across when something less is more. Another example in a different episode is Carol, Carol talking to Dad when he's in a mini coma. Way overdone. And the words didn't match his age. I thought Carol, Carl was amazing in that episode, but mostly when he wasn't talking. Totally agree there, too. I like Tony from Colorado. I think these young actors are going to be great one day. I think they are shown great. I think they have great talent because I think they have been more successful when not being pushed to explain things to us. I did like Melissa McBride's performance. She's so good, and I felt her pain. Did you notice that when Lizzie asked her if she misses Sophia and then asked her when you miss me, she, Carol, doesn't answer. She just says something like, will I have to miss you? I don't think she liked Lizzie. I think she loved (laughs) Mika, but she knew she was doomed to have the same fate as Sophia. That's an interesting take. Yeah, that could be correct. I mean, we saw her like really bonding with Mika, I think, just trying to get her to understand what's going on. Because she cares about her. Maybe that's the whole man thing, too, because she saw yeah. that uh, these girls, like, Lizzie's scary and Mika is not a mean bone in her body. This is, I'm I'm emotionally preparing myself for this guillotine moment. And the comparisons to Sophia right off sure. the bat. I mean, we know that she cared about Sophia. Uh, lastly, Tyrese needs to put that baby facing out or up on his shoulders because it's going to be suffocated against his back. <laughs> It really drives me crazy that they don't have more baby things. Didn't Lori get a baby shower? But they have an endless supply of formula? Um, <laughs> I took it that he, that that little ass kicker was on his back facing out. Me too. But now why you wrap – see, and again, I, I think them wrapping the baby up so tight was another fairly bacon gauntlet hand fist attempt to have us speculate about hmm. whether the baby survived or not. I okay. I I thought it was totally obvious that the baby survived, but well, if they want to make it totally. Not. So this is the harsh show its George, face, right? This is the harsh Georgia summer, man. You're going to wrap a kid up in a blanket? <laughs> no, no. This is the harsh Georgia spring. Is it spring all seasons it in Georgia are harsh? Yes. Uh, I, I think it's, it's spring really because are. the trees were budding, right? Were they? Maybe it's maybe it's fall. Maybe the the leaves are just falling off. I'm honestly not sure at this point. It seems like people were sweaty as fuck all yeah. throughout the prison sequence, and that's not been that long ago. That's true. That It must be summer going to fall. Uh, they were filming this in the fall, but mm-hmm. anyway. Um, that's it. Spoilers. The sweaty Georgia winter. <laughs> so I'm going to talk in the spoiler section about um, how this – how the Lizzie plot line interfaces with this, the same story – in the the comic outline, mm-hmm. and and this touches on a few other characters, um, and I don't see how they could go back to this same well, and I don't see how they can take some of these impacts of other characters and rework them, but they might. So it's a very very mild spoiler, and we're past this point in the comic now. But I'm, you know, so if, if you guys are brave enough, you can join us in the spoiler section. I'm going to talk about this right up front with with uh, my uh, co-host Jim here, and I will tell you to fuck right off when we get to the main spoiler section. But that's that's kind of what I want to talk about. Okay, sounds good. Let's do an outro and then let's get to it.
Email. You want to give us some more? We had a lot this week. Uh, watching dead at baldmove.com. You can join our live threads on Facebook at facebook.com slash baldmove. And Jim always holds down Twitter uh, at twitter at baldmove.com. Yes, that is all true. Uh, <laughs> and until next week, right after the episode, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. back with the spoiler section you said you had something you were desperate to talk about here okay so here's the deal in the main comics Mm -hmm. um uh dale dale okay and another woman were raising these two twins Mm -hmm. uh that their parents had died in the prison? Is that right? This is either – might be post-prison, immediately post-prison. I think it's hmm. like right okay. after they have to disperse because of the prison. So they're on the road similar to where our characters are. And we've had little hints about the one of the twins being a little kooky. Mm-hmm. And at one point, the twin murders the other and knifes him, and you see him at the end – and they said, you know, why are you mad? Because I didn't hurt his brain. He's going to come right back. And they were very small, like five, six, seven years old tops. Mm-hmm. The strength of this is you could, you could, you can kind of see where kids at that age would get confused. And it was tragic because they didn't. This, these kids weren't old enough to know right from wrong. And it was just a sad deal altogether. And there was this instant debate in the camp about what to do with this psycho. Because Dale and the uh, – I forget who he was with. It wasn't Andrea. Maybe it was Andrea. Um, they desperately wanted to pres- you know, say that they just had one uh, – their adopted son murdered by the other adopted son. And they wanted mm. to save him. And Rick and a lot of the other group were like – uh, I don't know what we can do. We can't, you know, uh, we, you know, he established this rule that uh, if you kill the living, then you are you you're condemned for death. That's the the bright the bright rule that Rick lives by. Okay. And there's this all this debate with the adults, and it was getting intense. And then you hear this gunshot, and everybody rushes over uh, to the van where they've kind of held this kid in a cell, and fucking Carl cowboyed up and shot this kid and said i did what you adults can't yeah or were refusing to do i did what needed to be done and he was only eight or nine he was much younger in the series too yeah what really pisses me off is that i feel like every fucking time they have a a, a chance to in a believable way age carl mentally and emotionally Mm-hmm. Carl in the comics shot Shane, a living, breathing Shane, because he was trying to kill his daddy. Yeah. They fucking pussed out, and they had him be a zombie. So it wasn't – it's like, you know, his AMC couldn't do it. Here again, another opportunity for Carl to be uh, – do something even the adults couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And it's horrific. This isn't me like, oh, it would have been so cool. Yeah, no. But they're, they're – uh, Well, obviously. I mean it's not a baby, so. They're <laughs> – <laughs> Um, 
they're robbing Carl of these moments. Do you and, yeah. and why? So it's you're because, saying that that degrades his character? Yeah, I think so. And and you know the it just the fact that he's older. And the fact that it's kind of absurd to him for him to have the exact same plot lights given to him as far as him being abandoned by his father and worried about his father being dead. And the fact that he's also being denied these other opportunities. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's because Kirkman is a mad inventor with an erector set that he doesn't understand and he's just taking it together and putting parts and it's just kind of like a Frankenstein monster? Or do you think AMC is like, no, you can't have a kid kill another kid. It's bad enough you're killing a kid. I don't know uh, who's to blame here, but... Hey. I, I want to say after this episode that it's probably Kirkman rearranging the pieces. Because they, did, they didn't show a kid killing a kid, but they did imply it M- M- off screen. It, right. But that was like, you know, cra- I'm talking about like a hero character who's going to oh, survive. Oh, gotcha. Do you think, am I crazy or is this a problem? Or is this not a problem? Well... I think it's certainly a problem if they want to follow roughly the same arc of the comic because to get to the points with Carl that you need to get to further on, you need to have that development happen, right? I think so. It it would seem like it to me. He won't be the same Carl that we know in the comics if he hasn't had these experiences. And so if that's what you're looking for, sure. Now, if they're going to take this show in a completely different direction – which they don't seem to be so far, they seem to want to stick to the basic plot, then maybe maybe you wouldn't need those moments for Carl. Maybe he's got some other future destined for him. Yeah, I don't know. It, Again, it's I'm it's not... hard to say, given that the, the show isn't necessarily sticking to the comic. And I'm not a comic supremacist, but I do think sure. the one thing that they do hit right is Rick and Carl's relationship, and they're just dangerously ranging far afield of what I feel like that core is. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you want to preserve that, you need roughly the same Carl character. And it's like they already changed enough. They made it to two little girls, and, and there weren't twins, and there was a lot. I mean, the other thing that worked, I think, is that they're, you know, this is just kind of a shocking thing. This wasn't really built up to. It was just something, and it, they didn't apply that the kid was crazy so much as just that he's a little kid. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that can happen to a little kid, and they they get confused, and they and they're... Um, you know, playing with big boy, gun, wep, you know, tools and yeah, shit that... happens. And it's, there were, you know, it's kind of like, uh, Carol's debate about teaching these kids to kill in a microcosm. I mean, uh, one interesting about Carol and she probably feels guilty about this. I wish I'd mentioned this in the main cast. She's the one that taught the girls how to use weapons and to kill people. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. So, and these were later this was now used against her living sister so there's definitely there's interesting things about the way it happened here i just assumed that carl would have this plot and this would be important to his development yeah no i think you're right unless they want to take carl in a different direction i mean it's arguable that maybe they already did that by having him quote-unquote kill laurie that he that was his maturing moment Hmm. okay where he did something I mean, that he none did, of the other people could do, although that, yeah. that's not true, really. Th- that may not be true, but if, in the moment, he certainly had to, and it did, I think, age him. It it did mature him. He <laughs> he became a lot more like Carol than any of the other characters. Rolling on with Ginny D, double-dipping in the spoiler section here. 
Uh, I wonder if this is leading to the affair. Uh, what the hell? I edited this badly. Um, oh. I wonder if this plot line is leading up to the affair that Carol had with Tyrese in the comics. I'm really sorry that it wasn't Carl who put Lizzie down. She agrees with me. I think that it would have been fascinating, but also would have meant a long, drawn-out story with Lizzie still around. And that is one character I can do without. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, multiple things would have to be different for them to have pulled this off. Mm-hmm. But I think it was within their power to do that. Um, Carol and Tyrese affair? I mean, it's not really an affair at this point. Both of their... <laughs> Significant others are dead. Yeah, and uh, I... So they may have a thing, sure. The only thing is, I she's talking about how it ends up in the comics. Oh, which I don't know. How and does that end up? So, Tyrese kind of uses her as a fuck buddy. Okay. And she's not really serious. And and, and the comic car- uh, Carol is a very weak character. She goes from relationship to relationship, trying to feel loved and supported by various people. She suggests uh, hmm. being in a polygamous marriage with uh, Rick and... Lori and Lori spurns her for that <laughs> and several other and then and then uh when Michonne shows up Tyrese kind of falls in love with Michonne and spurns her and they had a walker tied up in the prison that they were doing like experiments on like ob- observing to try to learn from the enemy which I don't think they do other than Poindexter and Novenus series uh and she decided to go and just go kiss this zombie that this is someone that wanted her and, you know, wow. and she's sacrificed. She kills herself by zombie. Mm-hmm. This Carol is way too strong to do something like that. Oh yeah. So, Oh yeah. And, 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 and that's a positive improvement, I think on the character. Sure. So I can't, I mean, maybe it's, it would be the stupidest thing they've ever done, but it would be, feel like a very blatant portrayal of the character at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vince R. said, here's a theory that's been turning over in my mind. I'm thinking that Daryl's going to assume the role that Dwight plays in the comics, the mole inside the enemy camp that gives Rick's band the insider info needed to mount the attack against Negan. Although, ooh, so he's in the camp that Negan's going to be appearing at the end of the episode, or maybe we've already met Mm. him. Okay. Although Dwight killed Abraham with a crossbow bolt, I'm not basing my theory on the bowman skills that Dwight and Daryl have in common. The first, uh, the idea first came to me two episodes ago when Beth and Daryl were having their heart to heart in a moonshiner's shack. Daryl admits that he needs a leader, good or bad, to follow, and Beth, ooh, and Beth tells him that he will miss her when he is gone. She is gone. Before seeing the alone app, I thought that Beth would have be killed, and Daryl, in his grief and despair, would fall in with the next strong man that ha- he happened to meet. After terrorizing the countryside of his new pals, Daryl would regain the good side after the bat after the baddies mount an attack on Rick and eventually help Rick defeat the enemy. I think that alone followed the basic that basic outline. Beth gone and Daryl joining the baddies, but Daryl's motivation is not grief. Regarding Joe's band, I don't think that they will turn out to be the Hunters or Negan's band. The Hunters are masters of stealth and camouflage, and Negan's guys are quite disciplined, if only out of fear of their leader. I think the producers know that they will never be able to portray the horror of cannibalism or the eventual slaughter of the hunters by the good guys. Similarly, the brutality and sadism of Negan, not to mention his language, would be impossible to bring whole cloth to AMC. I think that Joel's band is getting uh, is going to be a sanitized amalgam of the bad guys to Rick's bands uh, that Rick bands fight on the road to Alexandria and in the defense of Alexandria. The adaptation will not be a bad thing if Daryl's journey to the dark side uh if journey Daryl's journey to the dark side and back and reunion with Rick's crew are handled properly. 
that is a lot of really cool theories. Some I vigorously agree with and some I'm not so sure about. It's mm-hmm. my position that we need to hunter storyline to bring Rick's group from the confident band that repelled the governor's attack, although at the loss of their prison, to the confident, tough, badass band that feels like they can take on all comers. And that overconfidence then gets exploited by an evil character that's just as organized as, as Rick and, and just as ruthless as Rick in his own way too. Um, but you're right. They cannot, AMC cannot film Negan as he's written in the comics. Hmm. Negan's I haven't read that favorite part. word is fuck. And his second favorite word is motherfucker. And his third favorite <laughs> word is cunt. So that's not going to fly on basic cable. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Uh, they've used up all their birds. So now if he, if he, if uh, interesting love AMC, apparently if he, his favorite word was the N word or the other F bomb, that'd been fine. Because would it? You, Why? Because they've said those words unbleeped multiple times in this series. Hmm. So okay. that's weird culturally with this country, but I just make a little commentary there. Um, I do like I do like the parallels between Daryl and Dwight though. Mm-hmm. And, um, especially as it relates to Beth. Especially as it relates to Beth, but again, I just I'm not ready to give up the dream of the hunters and the fact that we've got so yeah. little so little left in this episode, I almost think that maybe the hunters are gonna be the big bads and sure. that they're uh are, are gonna be distinct from Joe's group. They're going to be another group. They're maybe the group that abducted. I don't know, man. There's so many different things in this way this could go. And only two more episodes. And only two more episodes. So hmm. um, we've already blown away where we thought we'd be when we looked at you know the episode titles and the synopsis and all that. So uh, Tony from Colorado, another double dipper, said, Love the comic book version of the storyline better. Billy and Ben were hardly given a notice other than as poor orphans and who will look after them. It wasn't until Ben dissects a cat that you even know that something's wrong with them. They're younger in the comic, I think, which makes them all the more horrific. It's hard to write for kids. In the comic, they don't say much, which helps. Agreed. And what little they do say is with a fairly flat effect. So, Perfect. Get Mika in there. I Yeah. Yeah, Mika would have been. She Well, she worked out. I yeah. thought she was fine. But if Mika was, the, you know, and another sister about her age or maybe another year younger. Yeah. But I don't know. Some of this might be AMC just be like, ah, we can't kill a seven-year-old. <laughs> we can't have a yeah. seven-year-old kill another seven-year-old and then have a nine-year-old kill them. No fucking way, you <laughs> sickos. What kind of show are we making? <laughs> uh, Tara said, you mentioned an instant cast that they would have had been a whole other level to have Carol and Tyrese lead the baby behind. But Carol specifically said that she can't have Lizzie under the same roof as Judith. Her main motivation for killing Lizzie was to keep Judith safe. It would not have made sense if they abandoned her after killing Lizzie. That said, I wish Carol and Tyrese hadn't gotten back to the girls until Judith was dead too. I want that zombie baby. <laughs> I was thinking another <laughs> Me way. Too. I was thinking another way they could have gone was to keep Lizzie alive without a knife or other weapon to make it to Terminus and meet up with Rick and Carl and Michonne and then have Lizzie kill the baby and have Carl. Maybe Rick too. Find them and take out Lizzie, comic book style. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know why. You just don't this... like them going back to that well, right? Like the kids killing kids, sort of thing, or what? Well, I mean, if they'd gone this, it wouldn't have gone back to the well because it wouldn't happen that, this that's way. That's true. Yeah, but Carol wouldn't have killed the kid. 
to me, I don't think they can go back to the – I don't know. They're going to, though. They're going to continue to put Judith in danger until they end up <laughs> killing her. Yeah, I just hope the next time they, they either make it final and give me my zombie baby or they just don't do it again. That that would be nice. Uh, That's all we got. All right. Sounds good. Well, it's a, it's been a long cast, so all right. I think we should call it here. Say that we'll see everybody next week after the episode. And until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. See ya.